hey, I'm glad you're here. This is our top 10 movies of 2022. Not a, this is the best movie competition, but rather a celebration focusing each on 10 movies. Why rank and number them? Well, I want to trick people into watching something they might not have given a chance. It's why I do any of this. I want to celebrate people who I think deserve to be celebrated, and movies as well, in hopes that more people can be aware of good things on the planet, because frankly the bad things have great PR these days. You might notice that these top tens are not just award fodder or only horror. I don't like to put a genre in the corner and tell it to wait its turn. I like to shine the light equally on everything all at once. If your favorite movie is an Oscar-nominated film, then great. If it's the new Hellraiser, then great. I'm a fan of people liking whatever they like. That's what I like to hear about. I don't care about your one-star review on Letterboxd. I want to hear what moved you. And I'm not into this because I have to agree with everyone. In fact, all three of us in this episode have different top tens pulled from only what we watched this year. And if nothing else, the big takeaway should be that 2022 had something for everyone. And that's a beautiful thing. Lastly, I hope you'll reach out to us with your thoughts and top tens. I would love to see them. And thank you for those of you who tag me in things when you watch something mentioned on the podcast. It's an honor that you take the time. Also, thank you to those of you supporting us on Patreon. We have monthly giveaways on the Patreon with books, hot sauce, freeze-dried candy, stickers, movies, all kinds of things. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been buying shirts and totes via the Threadless. Our Threadless shop has much of the original episode artwork. So thank you so much. It just really warms my heart. But let's get right to it. The films are over 30 different movies. The guests are Lindsay Wilkins and Ryan Goland. And this is VHS Presents The Top 10 of 2022. Welcome to VHS, the podcast where I do what I want. Who am I? Well, I'm glad I asked me. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall. And this monumentous occasion, I'm joined by two of my favorite podcasters, Lindsay Wilkins of the Schlock and Awe podcast. Thank you for being here. Hello. I'm so excited. <laughs> and Ryan Goland of the New World Pictures podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Dirk. Excellent. <laughs> now, this is our annual recap episode where we look back at the movies that we watched in and mm. from 2022. And we each compose a top 10 list of films that we appreciated, that made us happy, made us sad, stressed us out, or affected us in any way whatsoever worth mentioning. These are not bad or worse or best of or whatever. It's just we each brought 10 movies that were special to us in some sort of way. Last year, Lindsay and I did this plus five discoveries. And this year I said, get out of here, discoveries, and brought on Ryan. So thanks. <laughs> And we're glad to have him. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think that's for the best. We are doing discoveries, though, too, right? Like at the end? No. Not at all? We're not doing five discoveries? <laughs> Didn't I tell you that? No. Oh, Sorry. okay. Uh, well, oh. future well. episode. <laughs> okay, well, okay, good. <laughs> New content. So we have three people here with overlapping interest in films, but also some, I won't say differences, but maybe differing cinematic interests, which is the same thing. I will add that we uh, do employ the Bromley rule on this podcast. So mm. we've named it obviously after Patrick Bromley from F This Movie, where if a film is listed on someone's list higher, you Bromley the person, and then it's tabled until we get to the higher ranking to keep us from talking about 
whatever over and over and over again. But quickly, how was the process for you, Ryan? This is your first this sort of situation. This is the first top 10 of 2022 in any capacity that I've ever done on any podcast. So <laughs> I was very honored to be asked and be a part of it. So I have worked harder on this than I think I have on any episode of all of last year or in several years. Because <laughs> I feel like I watch a lot of new movies until I sat down and looked at the movies that have come out this past year and realized I had so much ground to make up. And streaming services have really made this challenging. And so I really have watched so many 2022 movies <laughs> over the past week. It's been wild. And I want to thank my wife and my family for indulging me and while I sat in a room by myself watching movies constantly. <laughs> <laughs> like just in a feverish, leave me alone. I got to watch all these movies. <laughs> all these. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't intended, but I do love your dedication and your thorough research, which is something that you do on new world pictures podcast so i i do try i try insane research on the new world yeah like i'm always like i could never do that like i just rock up and just like talk about it i'm just like i can't do that very kind of research <laughs> oh well thank you guys i yeah i mean it's kind of my thing and it's i'm only getting more and more obsessive about it great i'd love to say i'm good i know what i need to do instead i just get more and more crazy about it and mm. sometimes i want more time before we do an episode so i can sit around and scour the internet and books and other things, magazines and stuff to mm. find information. So when I'm found just wandering the streets one night in my <laughs> underwear, because I've lost my mind, just yeah. you, everyone will know why. Yeah. Perfect. Lindsay, how was the process for you this year? Good. I like going to the movies and I, I, you think you've watched a lot of movies and you see what's come out and you've said, I have seen nothing. There was a few movies I tried to pick up at the end of the year, but not that as many because I think the year before I really went hard and just watched every single 2021 movie so I try to put myself on a okay I'm done there's about five movies I wish I could have watched beforehand but I didn't so there were ones I'll have to catch, catch up with later but yeah I was a bit more relaxed about this I was just like you've seen a whole bunch you can, can kind of shape them into you know what kind of movies you like I don't think I have that much overlap with Dirk because I could kind of well, actually, I have no idea actually saying that now. I could be completely wrong with the movies I think he likes. And I'll go, why would you think I like that? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You get that a lot. Yeah, so we're just going to see what happens. There's some really amazing movies that have come out this year, which I say every year. Yeah, I love personal rankings of movies because it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just these are things that spoke to me, and I, I love those kinds of conversations. I did purposefully not put two films on my list because I figured they would be on one of your lists. Mm. So I was like, I can get more movies on my list if I hedge my bets and say that one of these films is going to pop up there. I did that with a film as well. Okay, Me too. I have a feeling it's going to be on one of your lists. Maybe not mm. Dirk's, because I don't have any clue what Dirk is <laughs> There's only two that I think. One that's now gone off it. One that's staying on, because I did actually very much adore. One movie I know he doesn't like. Actually, I think there's two movies that I think he's just going to go, <laughs> why are you talking about this? <laughs> okay, great. Also, current trends in podcasting. It turns out impersonations are very popular. So feel free to do any timely impersonations throughout the episode. <laughs> Always do. Not required, but I'm just saying. Mm. But anyway, the order for this episode will be Lindsay, Ryan, and then me. So without... Oh, uh, that's weird. We have a, a guest just walked into the studio. Um, Shalimentary money, Penny. Why, it's Sean Connery <laughs> quoting oh. Big Bond. That is so weird. Thanks for being here. Oh, look, a league of extraordinary gentlemen. Yum, yum, yum. 
Oh, he's <laughs> quoting his favorite line from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I'm assuming Harvard never seen the movie. I thought for sure that was on your discoveries list that we won't be <laughs> yes. getting to. Exactly. I thought you were a huge fan of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, and the amazing shrinking and regrowing submarine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe next year, Sean. Sorry. Just sit over there on the couch. We're going to get to this pick. Okay. Perfect. So without further ado, Lindsay, please kick us off with your number 10 on your top films of 2022. Okay, technically I have a tie, but I'm going to pick one of these movies. One of these I think might show up on Dirk, so I'm not going to worry about that. If not, it's going to be an honorable mentions. <laughs> this is going to be very loose. My list is still in flux. I am going to go for my number 10 movie by Goran Stovisky, I'm butchering his name, called You Won't Be Alone with Numi Rapace and a whole bunch of other actors who are from all over the place because it is a Macedonian movie. The director is a Macedonian Australian, but he made a movie set in 19th century Macedonia, about a witch who can transform and it's her trying to find her place within the community that if they find out she's a witch she's going to get burnt at the stake pretty quickly but it is this beautiful movie of loneliness of finding your place in society of just being alive actually it's got a really simple premise but it's a really hard movie to describe but it's really good Enumero Pace is in it and is absolutely fantastic. Ryan have you seen this one? I have not. This is one I didn't watch until maybe last week because Mm -hmm. I looked at the trailer and whatever headspace i was in i was like nah and then the key art foliage <laughs> yeah the key art was kind of like mm, looked like a standard horror movie but it's mm. because she was in it that i was like all right i'm gonna watch it and mm. i agree yeah it's really good it would have been on my top 20 if we were doing top 20s but it just yeah survived the sheer incredible year of cinema so <laughs> Next year, we'll do the top 20. There it is. Yes, yes. We'll do top, top 20 next year. Top 20 of the last two years will be the episode. <laughs> Ryan, what is your top 10? I am in the uncomfortable position of following that elegant pick <laughs> of a film that I have not seen. And starting out, there's a couple directors that I adore that put out movies in 2022. One of them I watched in My Mad Fury to finish out the year, and that was Dead for a Dollar by Walter Hill. But it is not my pick, as much as I did enjoy it. Because mm. I kind of expected that one to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I did not expect this one to be this good. That said, this isn't the greatest movie of all time, but I'm talking Dark Glasses, directed by Dario Argento. And this is because I just didn't think Dario would ever make another movie. Mm-hmm. And yet here he is, he's come out with another film 10 years after Dracula 3D, which is, you know, a film that he made. And, <laughs> I question and, film, but yes, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> and, you know, I actually think it has its pleasures because it is so ridiculous and the choices he makes. That movie is all about choices. And I think it was like a retirement fund, personally. Mm-hmm. I think he got, got a lot of money from Spanish investors. I, that's my theory. But in any case... So a lot of people were like, this is a return to form. And I agree, Dark Glasses is a huge return to form. However, that return to form is not like Deep Red and Suspiria. This is more like The Card Player or Sleepless, like that form. And I think those movies are not bad. They're not great, but they're not bad. And this one was a return to that. And I just, I didn't think he would do another film. And I also didn't think he'd do another film that I'm like, this was pretty good. You know, not great, but pretty good. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, and it still had weird choices in it, like snakes, all of a sudden. Those are weird. Those are weird, yeah. Just but they're very odd... jello snakes. 
<laughs> Very. And he made choices, but I actually thought that was good. I enjoyed it. I really have to say I really liked Asia Argento and what I thought was the Daria Nicolodi role. I liked that she didn't have to take off her clothes. That was fun. Fun to see him not exploit his daughter's naked body for once. That was my review. <laughs> just, just refreshing. And then I loved the DP, Matteo Coco. I thought he did a great job. And that's not one that Argento's ever worked with. And then the score by Arnaud Rebotini, I thought were really very good. And yeah, that's my pick. Great. Dark glasses. You've seen it, Lindsay. Yeah, I have. I really liked Alina Pastolori. I think I'm butchering mm-hmm. her name, her blind acting, because it reminded me so much of 1970s Jalo and how, because that's not realistic blind acting. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, you have seen an Argento movie, right? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> it, That is just kind of how that would be. It's very broad and very wavy of arms, but I love her relationship mm-hmm. with the kid. I think it's very sweet. Great. I have not seen this, so that's going on the list here. Oh, okay. Thank you for that, Ryan. I did not see that coming. I'm already shocked. <laughs> as soon as I saw that on Shutter, I was like, I heard he was making another movie. And then, yeah, proceeded to push play. <laughs> it's the Dracula 3D effect. So it put me off. Yeah. I'm back on now and I will check it out. Totally get that. I mean, Dracula mm-hmm. 3D is... Yeah. I don't think it's his worst movie, though. No, it just... I don't know. I think like... Phantom is his worst movie. <laughs> that movie it's in Phantom. <laughs> is rough. Yeah. Also makes some choices in it, but (laughs) my gosh, that is rough. All right. Well, my number 10 is God's Cracked Lines. This is a Spanish psychological thriller directed by Ario Paulo. It stars Barbara Lenny. The plot is Alice goes to a psychiatric ward. She's left at the gates by a man, interrogated, and you don't really know what's happened. She says she's been legally abducted. This film is really shot beautifully. The cinematography is excellent. The lead performance is one of those, you know, sometimes you'll just see an actress that can just really hold the focus of the movie. And then you're just like, I'll watch whatever this person's doing with Mm. their like subtlety. It's a great thriller. It's a thriller mystery with fantastic performances at the center. And that kind of stuff is always probably going to be in the top 10 at the end because I will watch it again, but it is a mystery. So once you've watched it through, then you're kind of watching it in a different way. But Mm -hmm. I would definitely watch it again. It's on Netflix, so it's very easy to find. It's cool that we're getting more films from around the globe on Netflix. It was kind of buried in there, but totally worth watching. Definitely check it out. God's Cracked Lines. It's already on my Netflix watch list because I was like, I hadn't even heard of this. And you're right, because if it's a Netflix movie, it can easily just get buried. If it's not the one of that of the 50 things a week they're releasing. So no, this looks amazing. Yeah, I think it's got a great pedigree. People expect Godfrey Home movies and things like that to be on my list. They don't usually expect me to talk about something that is really gorgeous and moving and more performance based, I guess. I don't know what I'm saying. But... It's God's crooked lines, though, right? Correct. Oh, I just crooked? looked it up. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I, this is not something I've seen or even heard about. But mm. that said, in it. my household, Netflix is watched mostly by my children. So mm. when I go on it, I'm very frustrated by the. Algorithm, <laughs> which will only tell me the things they have made recently. And you need I'm like, separate profiles. We do, but at yeah. the same time, it's just something they normally watch. I found going through Netflix, I watched a lot of stuff on Netflix this year, but did not see that. It's very hard for me to find, like, what came out this year on Netflix? That is a hard thing to discover for some reason. Yeah, it is. Or at least yeah. it was for me. So this, I'd never even heard of this. And I thought I had been doing my due diligence on Netflix, but I really had not even heard of this. So it's already in my queue. Yes. All right. Well, that brings us to number nine. Lindsay, what do you got for the number nine spot? 
Just a warning, I was able to go back to see Myth with the Melbourne International Film Festival. So there might be quite a few movies that pop up on this. But my number nine is going to be Something in the Dirt, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. I love these guys. The fact that they, just the pandemic and they just decide we're just going to make a movie. Very, very small, very limited people and just have themselves playing the two most annoying people on the planet, sharing an apartment and find a out of this world kind of, I think it's even like a ashtray or something, but it is such an amazing LA movie. It's all about conspiracy theories. It's all about, I don't know, it's not even alien. It's just something other, something other is happening in this apartment and these two are going to try and figure it out. And then the more you get into the movie, the more you start questioning the movie itself. It's <laughs> it's really, really great. If you like these two guys, you are going to love this movie. Ryan? I've not, not heard of this one either. <laughs> I had a feeling this might happen. I love it. <laughs> I worked so hard, guys. <laughs> Do you know where you saw this? I saw this at a festival, and then oh, I know I it got a release in Australia. I'm assuming it's going to be on streaming somewhere in the States, because that's okay. where... Yeah, you can... So it's buried on somewhere. I'm going to have to just check this out somewhere, wherever mm-hmm. I can find it. Do you like those guys? Yeah, I do. Like the Endless and After Midnight mm. and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I like those guys. So I absolutely will. I feel like I'm going to love this. But uh, mm. no, I have not seen it nor heard about it. Just adding value to this podcast. Mm. Left yes. and right. <laughs> I said there wouldn't be discoveries. Look at this. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I like these dudes. I think they always do something interesting, even if the movie isn't going to be like your favorite thing you saw this year. I think it's always commendable. They're always trying something. And I think they can do so much with so little that I think yes. the films are really commendable because it makes people's, you know, maybe inspire them to make their first film or something because they don't need billions of dollars. They need a camera and that is it. Yeah. That is literally it. This is mostly set in an apartment building. Yeah. All right, Ryan, number nine. All right, my number nine turns out to be a hometown pick, which was kind of tough because I had two movies this year that I felt really represented my hometown of San Diego. And I want to say it was really tough for me not to pick Top Gun Maverick, (laughs) which I saw in the theater twice and loved it. But this hit me a bit more emotionally, and that is Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off, which is directed by Sam Jones. It's a documentary about professional skater Tony Hawk. And... I realize it's maybe not the most important documentary that came out this year, but it was very significant to me because as a kid, I was not a good skater. In fact, I have a bump on my head to this day, which is still visible. And it is me attempting to do an ollie in my neighbor's driveway because nobody wore a helmet unless you were on a vert ramp. So then I I just pummeled straight into the concrete and still have a bump as a... not a good skater, but the skate culture was extremely important to me. And I was really into the Bones Brigade and watched the videos. It all just was a marvel to me, even though I was the shittiest skater. I watched it a few times already. It just was so impactful to me. And I love skate movies. I love surf movies. Those are always big to me because of where I grew up. And so I just think this really hit me on an emotional level. And I also didn't realize that somebody could actually steal a documentary from someone. Oh my gosh, Dirk has uh, pulled out a skateboard. The original Rodney Mullen freestyle. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's amazing because I was about to say, I didn't realize a documentary could be stolen by somebody, but Rodney Mullen steals this documentary from Tony Hawk as one of the most interesting people I have ever listened to. And I want a documentary on him like yesterday. So 
this just really hit me in the feels and I absolutely loved it. I watched it by myself. I made my family watch it. I just was like, this is the best. I absolutely love it. His determination, the way he goes after it, even into his 50s. It's just an interesting documentary, not only about skating, but just about people's passion and how far they will go to pursue it. And even when your body's starting to break down, like how they just can't stop because it is just something within them. And just really hit me. It was very powerful for me. So that's my number nine. I love that. Lindsay, did you see this doc? No, I didn't. I didn't even know it was out. I think I heard there was some new Tony hook, but I didn't know when it was coming out. So no, that I'm going to seek that one out because it sounds amazing. Yeah. I, like you, Ryan, I sucked at skateboarding. Yeah. But my friend, Aaron, my best friend as a kid, he was a skater. And so he could do ramp and all kinds of stuff. And I needed a skateboard. So I had the Nash and then I got this freestyle Rodney Mullen board because I'm tiny and it fits. So um, <laughs> that's why I had it. I couldn't do cool tricks or anything. I can always no. that's it up a curb. It was the highest I ever got. I wasn't good, but I loved palling around with my friends and mm -hmm. listening to punk rock music and, you know, finding someone that has a ramp and then hanging out there. And yep. I used to love when I would go off the ramp because I would literally go one way and the skateboard would go the other. And then I would just land on the ground and they'd be like, <laughs> good job, Dirk. And, uh, <laughs> but I will totally watch this doc. Obviously I like this stuff. We watched the searching for animal chin a million times. In the oh, so many times. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I had a searching for animal chin t-shirt for like <laughs> years and years and years. Have you seen him? Yeah. You know, just that. This was when this came out, I was like, oh yeah. I immediately hit play. That's awesome. I'm glad yeah. I did. Can't wait to see it. My number nine is one that I'm guessing Lindsay was thinking I would have on my list. Mm. We'll see if I'm right. The Hatching. Higher. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I got Bromley'd. Wow. You got Bromley'd, yeah. Okay. Great. Actually, well, I wasn't sure of this. I was thinking of another one, so I might be very wrong about that one. I wasn't. I knew you'd seen it. I wasn't sure how you felt about it, but yeah, mine's higher. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right. Then that just moves us right along to number eight. Lindsay, what's your number eight? I'm going to go for Confess Fletch. Higher. Uh, this. Mm. Ah! <laughs> Double Bromley. Whoa. Okay, yeah. great. I love this. Yeah. Um, that moves us right along to you, Ryan, with your number eight. <laughs> okay, well, I wonder if this is going to be Bromley as well. But my number eight, while I'm staying with my younger self, is Metal Lords. This is the one I was going to watch, and then I decided to cut myself off. This is one of them. So I'm I'm angry at myself now. <laughs> yes. Directed by Peter Sollett, starring Jaden Martell, Isis Haytensworth, and Adrian Greensmith who's amazing in this movie. I'm surprised it has such poor ratings on Letterboxd. I went and mm. looked at it and I was like, wow, I watched this one earlier in the year, just when it premiered on Netflix. Mm. And I just, you know, threw it on because I thought probably watch this around the kids. And I just was really taken by it because this was a lot of my younger life. Like I was mm. not a metalhead. I got into skating. I got into punk. Then I got into goth. And I was in a goth band in high school, a goth band and a sketch group in high school. And I was what, a, a goth sketch group. Is it <laughs> not a goth sketch group, but a sketch group in a goth band? Okay. And yeah. I was obsessed with them both. And I was so into it. So Hunter is I really connected to him because it's just music was so important to me. It was not music that was popular with other kids. I grew up in San Diego. So let me just tell you, goth was not a popular form of music. <laughs> I'd really carved out a very small niche for myself. Mm. <laughs> I love sketch comedy and gawk. I was <laughs> just not, you know, the coolest kid in school, obviously. And so just being that outsider, that part of it, the inner workings of making a band, dreaming bigger, just the importance of all those things and how much that mattered. 
I just really connected to it. I'm honestly still surprised to look at Letterboxd and be like, oh, I think a lot of it has to do with people not feeling it's metal enough, which mm-hmm. isn't a problem for me because I wasn't a big metalhead. So yeah. I, it, that doesn't concern me. And the fact is, is that they're high school kids. So I think college is when you go even further into that obsession and you find the bands behind the bands behind the bands. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you start finding all you get those deep cut stuff, maybe not always in high school. So I just appreciated they were into something. They It mattered so much to them. It's exactly how I felt I was a lot in high school. And I just thought it was a touching little story. Very funny. Yeah. Metal Lords. Mm. Lindsay? I haven't seen this. I was going to. This was kind of on my list that I didn't get around to. Yeah, it looked very sweet. And I, I like the idea. Because, yeah, I was more into punk. But I did have a lot of uh, metal friends where I grew up. Because, like, metal was king where I grew up. Everyone was, like, sent albums of Metallica. But you're right. When you get older, you do start looking at those different bands. And so I've been meaning to check this out. Yeah, Sarah and I watched it. We just talked about it on our Hangout episode. We loved it. We love these mm. kids. We love these relationships. We love the discovery of music. Who's the actress again? Isis Hainsworth. Mm. She's from Edinburgh. She's amazing. Mm. So good in this. Yeah. And just like, you know, if you're going to have Rob Halford show up in your movie, I'm sorry, but you have my heart. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I really enjoyed it. I think Metal Lords and what was the movie that I loved where it's all the Smith songs and the guy takes over the. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Mm. I have not seen that one yet, oddly enough. But yeah, I know. Great next to this because it's it's mm. dealing with different themes, but it's mm-hmm. so music centric and the music means so much to those people. And mm-hmm. I love stories like that. But yeah, God damn it, I can't believe it. I can't think of it right now. <laughs> it's song. Okay, anyway, that's not important. Great pick. Excellent choice for your number eight, which brings me to my number eight, which is decision to leave. Hmm. Hiya. <laughs> ah, I knew it. I got probably again. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right. That brings us up to, oh, hold on a second. We've got another guest in the studio. Oh, my goodness. Well, do you want to get on the mic here? My name is Michael Caine, and I have a cold in my nose. <laughs> oh, my God, Michael Caine with a cold in your nose. Thank you for coming. Uh, you can sit over there next to Sean. Yum, yum, yum. Sean! All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Normal podcast stuff. Let's get to your number seven, Lindsay. What do you got? I am going to go for Fresh, directed by Mimi Cave. Mm. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I saw this. I was a hoot. You can tell by the poster. It's about cannibalism, but I was not expecting Sebastian Stan to be as charming. I love the fact that it sort of starts off as a rom com and then turns into something else. I just really love this movie. I thought it was really funny, really interesting how it used kind of a horror movie about cannibalism to dissect the dating world. It's a movie that's actually stayed with me. And I saw it like in March, I think in 2020. Mm. I know this one. I did not get a chance to see it. Mm. So it's on Hulu and I definitely, it was on my list of things to watch, but I ran out of time. Yeah. It's definitely worth it. Daisy Edgar Jones is absolutely fantastic in it. Yeah. I'll watch it. It came out at a time when I was shuffling streaming services. Oh, yes. Every once in a while, I go on and I'm like, I can't be paying for all of these every month. And so then I'll cancel them. And then something comes out like that week. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to get back on there. And then so, yeah, Fresh (laughs) has been sitting on my list to watch. And I will definitely push play now because turns out I'm way into cannibal movies, I guess. this (laughs) Yeah, me too. Actually, for whodunits and for kind of weird food movies, it's been a really great year for it. (laughs) Fresh was my favorite out of it. Actually, not my favorite food movie, but we'll get to my favorite food movie. (laughs) Mm. Okay, Ryan, number seven. Can I do a tie? Sure. 
<laughs> Man, I should have done a tie from a number 10. <laughs> he's, he's, he says, like, mm. <laughs> uh, Ryan on and he broke all the rules. <laughs> well, I, don't, I just don't know how we Bromley half of a pick. So it depends oh, on. Oh, yeah. Me. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. But I guess you, um, yeah, we'd, it would be a split. You it know what? Split. Then I'll, I'll I'll stick with this one then. And, and maybe we'll we'll go over some movies that uh, almost made mm. the list. So yeah. I'll stick with this one. I'm going to stick with Deadstream, which is directed by Vanessa and Joseph Winter and mm. stars Winter as a social media influencer looking to revitalize his channel, which had been canceled in more ways than one. And his channel is dedicated to him doing things that scare him. So he decides for this episode to do a night in a notorious haunted house and to live stream the entire thing. And I just was so charmed by this, the humor of it, the amount of things they got away with on what I assume is a very limited budget. It was clear that Evil Dead was a huge influence, which pleases me to no end. So, of course, it was up my alley. And that said, the movie really has to hinge on you liking the main guy because it's not a huge cast. You have to really dig the main guy. And I thought Joseph Winner was really funny in this role. He was very much willing to be an asshole, (laughs) (laughs) but desperate for people to like him Mm. and to re-engage with his channel. And I just was really impressed with him. I just had so much fun with this. And in a year where like, it seemed like every single movie had to start at least two hours, if not more, (laughs) this was like 86 minutes. And I was like, this was a delight and thank you for respecting my time <laughs> yeah. yeah and i just really really dug it deadstream it's on shutter so that's how you i saw it same Lindsay, thoughts yeah i sort of on shutter i was really surprised by this because as soon as i heard the words youtuber who's trying to get his career back i went uh, rolled my eyes and i kept hearing no no it's good it's really evil dead inspired and i went okay let's see what they've got and I was really surprised because I was on a real big losing streak. Every single time I would switch on something from Shutter, I was <laughs> mm. hating it. Mm. I was even going, do I need to be paying my very small amount a month for this? And then they won me back with a few things. This was really, really fun. I was actually really surprised how far it went because you can tell this is a very cheap movie. I love the main guy, Jonathan Winters. He's an endearing dickhead and he's playing two mm-hmm. different things at the same time. Like you have to know that he's the worst but he's trying to make you like him. It's a really, really fun performance. No, that movie did surprise me. <laughs> yeah, same. I didn't know what to expect. I love some found footage movies, but for some mm. reason, those two words have a negative connotation. Sure. Uh, even if you add YouTuber to the mix. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I it's it reminds me of improv because I loved improv, Ryan. I know you do too. But mm-hmm. that's another word that like has this negative connotation because there's mm-hmm. some bad improv. And there's some sure. bad footage. My favorite thing about this movie is when they, he starts to set up the cameras and show how he's going to use his iPad or whatever to be switching. Because I love when they're like, this is how we're going to break it being just one camera. And I like, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is really smart. And I think that they continued that throughout the film. And it just gets more entertaining as it progresses, yep. which is yep. what you want. Like, I want to be entertained. I want the mm-hmm. ride to be worth it. Yeah. I think Deadstream definitely nails that. Yeah, I really dug it. I thought it was really, really good. It was a nice surprise. And I was in a similar place where I had been going through a lot of movies. I got to admit, there's a lot of heavy stuff this year. So probably this just (laughs) rose out because it was just so fun. I had such a fun time with it. I too was not expecting it to be this good. And I don't hate found footage. But yeah, I think when you have a bad found footage movie, much like when you have bad improv, it's rough to watch. It's a tough (laughs) sit through. Yeah, And I get that. But this was so fun. 
Yeah. So fun. So funny. And like there is I know I'm going to rewatch it and find even other funnier lines because the whole people responding yes. to him mm-hmm. in the corner. I was like getting near the TV and I'm like, there's funny stuff. I know there's tons of funny stuff in this. Yeah. At one point, somebody says this is fake AF, you know, <laughs> just yeah. like yeah. tons of shit like that, that. I'm like, this is, it cracked me up just to read that line. So after all the stuff that somebody's still like, fake, like, yeah. it, just, <laughs> it just made me laugh yes. so much. Like it just, stuff like that. Like this is yeah. going to have repeat viewing value. So that's another reason why I picked it. That's great. All right. My number seven is After Blue Dirty Paradise. Okay, perfect. <laughs> also known as Blue Paradise. I have not watched a single movie on your list yet. <laughs> Uh, some of them i know okay great this okay. one i don't okay no me neither i still i'm like bending out what the hell it's directed by bertrand mendinko it's french it's a chimeric future on after blue a planet from another galaxy a virgin planet where only women can survive in the midst of harmless flora and fauna it stars alina lowenson from nadja from schindler's list it's psychedelic it's queer it's hypnotic it's odd it's totally engrossing to me I love it so much. There's a character named Kate Bush. And so they keep saying like, they must kill Kate Bush and (laughs) stuff about Kate Bush. And I just like, it's never not uh, strange. There's just like, you know, ladies with like a special gun sword, find a woman buried up to her head in the beach. It's that kind of stuff with weird rocks around and crystals and smoke and lots of colors. It reminds me of something that I would find in the 80s in like a foreign film section of a video store that I don't ever get to go to. And then I would watch it and then just be obsessed with this thing and not want to return it. That's why it's in the number seven spot rather than like a 10, because Mm. this is something I could put on over and over and over. Mm. Not for everybody, but definitely for me. So that's After Blue, Dirty Paradise. Mm. Mm. That is going on the list. (laughs) Yeah, good old French. I am not surprised that Dirk has picked a bunch of movies I have not watched. (laughs) No, yeah, the same with me. I'm like, oh, what is this? (laughs) Not at all shocked. I expected it. It's still amusing me every single time because every time you start to mention it, I'm like, maybe this is the one I know. (laughs) You'll clearly not. Wait, just wait. We're getting we're getting up there. Lindsay, what do you got for number six? My number six is going to be Flex Gourmet. Peter Strickland. He's one of my favorite working directors. He's a weird ass, polite. A very serious filmmaker who makes weird, my kind of weird movie. This one is all around a, I don't even know how to describe the band. They make music like out of cooking noise. food. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought this was made up until I found out actually he was in this kind of band in the 90s. I went, of course he was. No, this is about sort of this year-long kind of grant. This band gets to go to make more art with Gwendolyn Christie as the head who can rock a hat. She's like six foot seven and is just the most, she's amazing in this movie. It's a breakup of a band story, essentially what it is. If you've ever seen any Peter Strickland movies, you know it's got Fatima Mohammed in it, but it's also got Aza Butterfield. It's got this most amazing Dr. Richard Bremer, who's just like constantly drinking red wine at the most inappropriate situations. I don't know, it just gets funnier and funnier every single time he does it. It's definitely a comedy. It definitely gets weird. I love how the fact that that movie makes you think it's doing something and it's the most disgusting thing. You're like, no, no. And then it kind of pulls the rug out from under it and you're like, oh, thank Christ. It's very his kind of stone-faced kind of movies, but everyone is fully committed and definitely watch it for Gwendolyn Christie being a queen. She's amazing in this movie. Yeah. What was the Haunted Dress movie? Was that Stylist? That was In Fabric. In Fabric. Yeah, that was Mm. my first Peter Strickland. Mm. I was just like, oh, I think I'm a Peter Strickland head. And then (laughs) I had to see this movie because I love experimental music and his films. This is a really good one. I think, Ryan, if you haven't seen this one yet, I think you're going to really love it. 
Definitely, yeah. I have not. So it's already, it's in the queue. Yeah, this mm. this looks great. I have not seen it and had not heard of it. So this is great. Perfect. Love it. Ryan, what is your six? Okay, so this is my six is what I call my old man pick. Because last year, one of my absolute favorite movies was Paper Tigers which is about <laughs> middle-aged men, just a hot demographic that I, <laughs> I realized. So you are picking Top Gun, no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That also had some young people in it. Anyway, this is my old man pick for this year, The Contractor, directed by Tarek Saleh and starring Chris Pine and Ben Foster, the dream team of our generation. I'd watch anything with them. They make some good movies together. This yeah. one really, again, is just another one of those middle-aged guy trying to fight through his body breaking down. <laughs> Maybe there's a theme in this whole list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm realizing as I talk about them. But Pine's a soldier who's been discharged from the army and he turns sort of secretly to doing contract work because he needs money for his family. They're in a lot of debt and he's got a really crappy knee and he starts doing contract work. And there's some great action in this. I really dug the action in it, but I really, most of all, Chris Pine is just really good in this. I love action movies, but obviously this is an action movie that I really like where it's like the guy doesn't just go through and do every amazing thing in the world. Like all the things he does has consequences, particularly with his leg and his knee. And he's struggling to do half the stuff that he's doing in this movie. And I just really appreciated this guy. I was just trying to do right by his family. He's trying to just support himself. It was something that was very easy to kind of like get into an emotional level. Ben Foster is very good in this. Kiefer Sutherland shows up. He's the guy. Oh, that, he does too. Yeah. That is the guy in charge of the contractors. Yeah. I just, this really hit me in the feels. I was just thinking, all right, I'll just turn this Chris Pine action movie on and whatever. And then I just was like caught up in it. And he gets himself into peril really fast. And I was like, oh no, Chris Pine. So this just really spoke to me. I had it off the list for a while. And I, right before the podcast, put it back in because I just, I keep thinking about that movie. I just keep thinking about it. I wanted to rewatch it. I didn't have time because I was trying to watch so many things, but just really dug this one, The Contractor. Lindsay? Yeah, I had seen this. I really enjoyed it. I love how Chris Pine can just turn anything good, which is kind of why I'm looking forward to his Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yes. I think it's Dungeons and Dragons and, later this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, this is just a really solid movie. I think out of the Chris Pine movies this year, I think I prefer All the Old Knives, which is more of a espionage movie with him and Thandy. Yeah, Ooh. didn't get to see that one. It's really, again, just really solid. And this mm. is a really solid movie as well. I just remember, just, yeah, getting more swept up in it than I thought. Because it's something I put on with my partner. Thinking, oh, yeah, ex-military. This is a movie he'll kind of like. And then I just got swept up in it as well. I haven't seen it. I thought I'd seen it. But it turns out there's two movies with the two of them. Yeah, there's also Hell mm. or High Water. That's the one I saw. Yeah, mm. yeah. But and that I was saw... a few years ago. But okay. yeah. yeah. I just saw yeah. it. Which movie. is also very good. <laughs> yeah, totally love that one too. That's one me and Eric are watching really dug and I have that on disc here. So I was not expecting them to reteam, but if, I hope they reteam a lot more because I really dig having the two of them in a movie. So mm. yeah, I just heard Ben Foster on the WTF podcast, which somebody had posted that on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I don't always listen to that podcast. But I was mm. like, I want to hear Ben Foster talk about stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah, totally. Fascinating, dude. Because mm. he's great in everything, I feel mm -hmm. like. No, and totally. Yeah. I almost wanted to watch that Will Smith. Even X-Men 3, right? Yeah, yeah. that's his best role, but... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He has wings in that's, that, right? That's a... <laughs> yeah, he's a... Is he? Well, with, I forgot his character name. He's Angel. Is it, uh, Angel, bird yes. Bird guy? Is it Bird guy? <laughs> okay. No, no, that's the Michael Keaton film. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Wingshauser is his character name, right? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Okay, great. The Contractor. Yeah, that's Perfect. it. Okay, my number six is Vesper. <laughs> no. Lindsay? No. Okay, Vesper, directed by Christina Buzat and Bruno Samper. The synopsis is struggling to survive with her father after the collapse of Earth's ecosystem. 13-year-old Vesper must use her wit, strength, and biohacking abilities to fight for the future. There's no hand-holding in this. It's completely fleshed out world. Richard Brake plays a comatose father who communicates to Vesper telepathically through a floating drone that, <laughs> that goes with Vesper around on this planet. I just love these like apocalypse you know, futuristic movies with weird fauna. I mean, this is like After Blue with a really big budget. Mm-hmm. There's a part where these soldier dudes show up and they have like these helmets that inside look like red skulls and it just looks so cool and it's never explained. Like a lot of the Eat the Rich movies that came out this year, this was like a fun one that's set in the future and, you know, maybe not so heavy handed with themes. Okay, anyway, I'm talking about this movie. It's really good. <laughs> and I just, I love the performances and it's gritty there's some cool stuff with plants that I just couldn't believe I was seeing. So I watched it twice. It's very enjoyable. Mm. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Prospect, though I haven't seen yeah. all of that yet because I was started to watch it and I was working and I was like, nope, I got to turn this off because I can't yeah, do yeah. something else. This needs all of my focus. I did not see it, obviously, but I very much would like to. This looks yeah. really cool. I think a lot of people just skipped it. It could be the key art. It could be that it just looks so dreary, but it does have a lot of color in it and fauna and stuff. But yeah, just solid performances and it's just captivating. It's one of those things that the visuals are just in your brain. Like you, I can recall all of it. So having seen it so long ago and just have it fresh in my mind still, I just... Oh, wow. Mm. Vesper, which brings us to the midpoint. Lindsay, what's your number five? Okay, I guess my number five pick is what I've now dubbed called the Malignant pick, which is basically the movie I know Dirk doesn't like, but I really do. So I'm putting it in my top ten. <laughs> only at five. It's usually in people's one through three. It was usually like in the top, but we'll see what happens with that. But I'm putting Barbarian at number five. Oh, no, I liked Barbarian. Higher. I don't think you were bad that you didn't like it. Oh, higher. Higher. Oh, yeah. I am from lead. Yep. Okay, <laughs> great. Yeah, no, that's not what I thought you were going to pick. Oh, great. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, Okay. There could be another one coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Ryan, what's your number five? My number five is Violent Night, directed by Tommy Wercola, starring David Harbour as Santa Claus, St. Nicholas himself, and John Leguizamo as the criminal that he runs afoul of, and also Beverly D'Angelo because it's Christmas, so you have to have her in there. Swearing like a sailor. <laughs> yeah, she's... This was like an instant classic for me. And I was just like, yep, this is a yearly watch. And I'm going to watch this every single Christmas. And I don't know if it was just because of Wercola, who I just really, really love a lot and have since Dead Snow. And not to say that I've watched every single one of his films, because I looked at his filmography and realized, oh, there's a couple I've missed. But I just really dig his style. This one really hit tonally for me. Who else but... Tommy Wercola would have Santa Claus puking out of his sleigh, but the humor of it, the action of it, I just thought this was an absolute blast and so much fun. So this is my kind of movie, <laughs> quite frankly. So I just was like, yeah, this this ticks a lot of boxes for me. I had to pick it. Violent Night, number five. Lindsay? This is really fun. 
yeah, I loved David Harbour as Santa. If for a slubby, violent Santa, David Harbour is your guy. I love a John Leguizamo in it because I'd just seen the menu before. So I was just like, oh, this is one of the movies his character from when the menu would make. This is perfect. <laughs> if That's the menu true. did not happen. That's true. But he's really good. He's kind of taking it very seriously. I love the conceit of everyone with their Christmas names. I love the guy who plays Krampus. He is such a, uh, I only know him from Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> but yeah. Just when he goes, ah, that's why I love books, psychopaths. They get imaginative. I'll do it. I don't know. This movie's just really fun. So I showed it to my partner. I was like, we have to go see this movie. You're going to love it, which he did. And I sort of noticed, oh, now it is definitely referencing also things like Silent Night and Christmas Evil with the, when he's like sliding down mm-hmm. the thing in the sleigh. It's just a movie that loves other movies. And yet Tommy Wakola comes in and just goes, oh, we're just going to do it this way. And we're just like, yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I also love that he had Santa grapple with something like he was kind of grappling with his own feelings about Christmas, which I also love, which you could have not done and other movies and then maybe in somebody else's hands, you maybe would have not worried about. But Mm, yeah, he had an arc, which I liked. I think he had a lot of really nice touches to this film. Yeah, this is a movie that I saw the trailer for on like Twitter or something. And I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, yeah, I know what this is. And then when I actually pushed play, I was so shocked because it's it's difficult to balance tones like this, you know, to have something sweet and sincere, but Mm -hmm. also have the action of a hammer murdering Santa. It's just so well done and so enjoyable. And Sarah was like watching it with me and she was like, this is really good. Mm. When you stop in the middle of a movie to say how good something is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, like yourself, Ryan, we'll be watching this every December for sure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a big part of also why on my list it was a lot of when I looked at other things I could have put in, it was a lot of like rewatchability. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I can talk about some of the movies I thought were like really amazing this year, mm-hmm. but I can also say that some of them, I probably won't rewatch at least not anytime soon Mm. maybe like in a long time from now and I want to rediscover it or rewatch it but these are like ones I could rewatch and I would have no problem rewatching that was a big factor for me because that's why I picked the Tony Hawk documentary because I'd already watched it a couple times I'm like if I've watched it a couple times already this has to be on my list because clearly I really dig this yeah so yeah yeah. rewatchability is huge for me me too It is for my number five pick as well, which is Carter on Netflix. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. This is one that we all know Mike's got from Action for Everyone. (laughs) Loves. He loves, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure he loves this movie. This is his favorite movie. This is his number one. He would Bromley you right now. Right. Yes. He did not like this movie. But for me, I love the movie Villainess. When I saw that, I was like, okay, this person's doing something different, something ambitious something that totally spoke to me and I watched Villainess over and over and over till I eventually just bought it. So this is the follow-up to that. He also did a documentary called Action Boys. So the director is Byung-sik Jung. Carter's thrown out on a dangerous mission. Blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really matter the plot because it's just action piece to action piece. And mm-hmm. it's something that when I first started it, I didn't get this weird way of stitching the shots together so that there was an uncut. It's this weird shifting that happens. And I get people that would take issue with that. But for me personally, this is like a peek into my heart. It's so ridiculous in parts and so crazy. I mean, you can't literally fight across five moving motorcycles, but he does. And I'm there for it. And when somebody falls off a moving vehicle and gets run over by something, I literally said out loud, well, that was for me. It's just like, I just felt like the ridiculousness of the gunfight in the sky, the whole train sequence. It's just, there's just so many parts where I was just grinning ear to ear. 
it's one of those movies that like if my wife goes to bed and I am sitting there with a beer and I'm going to watch a movie, this is the type of thing I would put on at one in the morning, Carter. Mm. And I know so because I've done that three times this year. So <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoy this kind of stuff. It's definitely spoke to me. And I think somebody that would, you know, maybe say not Mike, but someone being dismissive of this movie, I think, is just overlooking when somebody does something as big and wild like this thing. Mm. It's an experiment and that creates space for people to innovate. And I bet you that will be the cause of people seeing this movie and being like, oh, we could do that in our Mission Impossible or we could do that in this thing or John Wick 6 or whatever Mm -hmm. is going to come out. I just think that there's a possibility from things like this. So even if you didn't like it, I just think, you know what? I bet it'll cause some good in the action world. And I can't wait to see what this director does next. That's two back to back that I love. So it had to be in my top five. So Mm -hmm. that's. Carter. I saw this one and I don't know if it hit me as much as you did, but I absolutely respect the ambition of it. He definitely was like, here's what I want to do. I want to make this movie. And everybody was like, that's impossible. That's you couldn't do all of this in a movie. And he was like, no, I'm going to. And also I'm going to do it in one digitally composed single shot. And I think the way they digitally seem everything together is a little tough for people. It's particularly yeah. me. And it's not mm-hmm. because I don't like it. It's because watching it makes me slightly nauseous. <laughs> it's just yeah. like yeah. a little like, it's a little much. And I don't know also if that conceit helps him, but the ambition of the movie and the ambition of the action sequences, I agree, it was terrific. And I also am very curious what he does next because of that. I mean, he obviously has a great eye. He is incredible at setting up action sequences. I would want to see anything that guy does next. But that said, the sequencing of it left me a a little bit tough for me to get through. I didn't love the amount of digital blood. But again, when you're trying to shoot it all at once, I understand the practicality of all that. But yeah, the ambition is, I mean, I don't see how you could watch this movie and be like, no, wrong. This is terrible. Because this is like... One of the most ambitious action movies I've ever watched. It's just full of crazy, wild ideas that you could see one or two of those in five different movies. Instead, he packed them all into one film. It's amazing to watch. Didn't make my list because of that. When I finished it, I turned it off and I was like, I don't feel good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's also two and a half hours. So that's a long time. It would be a probably top three for me if it was 90 minutes. But it's so epic in its scope and what it's doing. And by the time it introduces what it introduces on the plane, I was just like, there's more to this yeah. that's happening. Yeah. Like, this is a movie that says, is this excessive? You haven't seen excessive. Yes. Just wait till hour two, because yeah. we like, we start out with a scene that is excessive and, yeah. and it only goes from there. You know, the bathhouse <laughs> sequence that starts yes. it all off. It's definitely, uh, I don't think it's something that, that action fans should dismiss because it goes and it goes extremely hard. Yeah, I still need to see it purely because I saw it was two and a half hours and I knew there was some like weird things he's doing and all that kind of thing. So I was just like going, I might hold off on it, but I need to actually just sit down and at least start watching a bit of it to try and get a taste of it because it sounds insane. <laughs> Watch it in chunks. That's not going to hurt the story. Yeah. Never no, no. The story, don't even worry about Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it three times and I don't know what it's about. So (laughs) I don't care. Once you get to the train sequence with people dangling from helicopters, it's just, I'm like, this Mm. is beautiful. So Mm. my number five, which brings us to number four, Lindsay, what do you got? It's hatching. 
I love this movie uh, directed by Hannah Bergholm. It's a Finnish movie. It is this amazing body horror coming of age. I mean, the fact that it sort of starts off in this almost once upon a time sequence of this mother trying to get a perfect photo with a selfie stick and a crow comes in, destroys the house, and it just ends with her snapping the neck of the crow. And then the movie starts. <laughs> I, I have no idea where this movie's going, What what is happening. Yeah, just the fact that this young girl finds this egg and this thing grows and it says so much about growing up puberty realizing I don't know there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in this movie I absolutely adore it I've seen it twice yeah this is a movie that I will drink wine at one of the morning of mine watch. Mm, mm. <laughs> yeah Ryan you haven't caught this one no it's on Hulu I, mm. I see and it's 86 minutes so this is zooming to the top of the list <laughs> <laughs> it definitely respects your time I yeah. don't know how you can't stretch this movie because you're just like going how what no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, this looks awesome. I have not seen it. I had heard of it, but I had not seen it. So yeah, I yeah. saw just the key art, I think. And then Lindsay, you had seen it and yeah. so, and said something about maybe that you thought I would like it. Mm. And I was like, oh, I got to watch this movie. Mm. And the first quarter to a third of it would have been in my top three for sure. Mm. I love yeah. that thing. Once the egg opens, I was so into this image and the imagery of what was happening. I love it so much. Where it goes from there, I respect and it's very well done. But mm. if it had just stayed at that point, um, I would Just this, whatever that thing is, it that, doesn't even look like a crow. I don't know what it is. No, that thing, I don't want to ruin it, Ryan. Don't look yeah. it up. But, uh, oh, yeah. but as it plays out, I would okay. I would watch a movie of just that. <laughs> but then they have more ideas, which is great. Yeah. But awesome. I'm, just, I'm just saying, if someone wants to do a supercut of just that, I just want to hang out with that thing, create yeah. an Instagram account of it, like going and getting coffee and stuff. I would just, <laughs> its life would be horrific, but I I, yeah. just, I would love it. Yeah, I don't have anything to expand upon that. It's just that I, I hope people watch this. It is Finnish. Yeah, an utter, utter delight for sure. Like all the great Finnish movies, 86 minutes. This uh, exports, they're not long. They yes. do not take up your time. <laughs> Yeah, I came in thinking I had spent so long watching all these movies that I was really ahead of the game. And now I'm going to have an equally long list. Yeah, me too. Of movies yeah. I now have to go see. That's the point of this whole episode. So yeah. exactly. it's all working out. It's good. Ryan, you're number four. Number four, Barbarian. Yay! Written and directed by <laughs> Zach Kreger and starring Justin Long, Bill Skarsgård, and Georgina Campbell, who is just amazing in it. Mm. This is one of... Probably my favorite experience in a movie theater this year. I went in knowing nothing. Just the crowd was a great. I went in with a buddy of mine. We didn't realize we had a couple of buddies a row ahead of us <laughs> until after the movie. And then we all were like, this was amazing after the movie. <laughs> this just had a lot of my shit in it. And it is certainly a movie that uh, borrows from other movies. No doubt oh, yeah. about that. But it is wearing those lovingly on its sleeve. And I just thought it was great i'd love that i didn't know much about it and i also think it's funny that two of the most talked about horror movies of the year basically are about the fact that you should be very careful about where you stay yes <laughs> <laughs> and this is definitely one of those i don't know if it does any love for like airbnbs and stuff they did not have a good movie yet airbnb <laughs> i love the fact that when Justin Long comes in it's like it was this beautiful heightening of like another element 
of this man in total crisis dealing with a situation that is beyond anyone's ability to like deal with in mm-hmm. a real way. And the way it just kept layering on top of things and heightening stuff. I just had so much fun with this. That's why it's so high up my list. Yeah. Justin Long with a measuring tape going down those stairs and through the, the oh, thing yeah. is one of the greatest <laughs> moments because I love how it's all set up because as soon as you see the doorway, everyone I can feel in the theater going, no, do no, not yeah, go in yeah. there. No, yeah. just it was like, no, dude, you don't know what we know. It's one of those great, you yeah. Know... And we don't even know. We just, just yeah, I've seen right, this movie right, before, which right. I found out I hadn't. But then when you find the second one, and you're just like, do not go down there. Yep, yep. I mean, it goes and it almost ends. Like if you yeah. had just the very, you know, before we get the Justin Long part, like that would have been a really great short film and instead we get like an extra hour or whatever from there and i just love the shit out of it i had a great time with it so yeah yeah and it's so cool that like last year we had josh rubin making big splashes or was it yes was it last year it was last year yeah it was last year where was it then yeah Yeah, yeah, and was scare package that same year as well or oh scare me scare me yeah 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 and uh and then this year we got zach Krager, so another comedian who is bringing us horror. And I just love that. I love the story. I've listened to him on podcasts, Zach, talking about it. He's great. And actually, if people haven't watched the TBS series Wrecked, he's wonderful on this series. Mm-hmm. That is so funny. And no one talks about it because it was on TBS for some reason. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, Zach Gregor is super talented. I can't wait to see what he does next. Obviously, he's going to get, I'm imagining, a bigger budget and another mm-hmm. thing. So that'll be really exciting. I'm so sorry you didn't like it, Dirk. That's weird. <laughs> I liked it. And I know. Maybe I can give this with another movie. Just messing with you from earlier. Yeah. No, I think it was, you said, oh, it's not that, something either or another movie, you said it's not that weird, guys. And then. Oh, yeah. No, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was like, it's the weirdest. It's like, I agree with you. It's not the weirdest movie ever. It's just really well done. And Derek is like going, this is not the weirdest movie you've ever Come on. Like, let's be serious. Yeah. I mean, clearly people haven't seen enough lactation yes obviously i haven't seen his peter jackson movie obviously yeah. <laughs> if you have never bothered to watch castle freak i can understand how this yeah. movie might be like oh my god dude but i just wasn't expecting the movie to go to that it, place oh, exactly yes. so that's what mm-hmm. i enjoyed it's not like i was like oh my god i can't oh. believe the crazy yeah. I mean, yeah. but that i can understand how that it. would be for some people i, I did hear some people saying yeah. yeah that was the most craziest movie i've ever seen and i'm just like yeah, nah, I mean, nah. yeah, I would say <laughs> I probably it's haven't seen a lot of yeah. horror films. That's all. Exactly. Because, like you, you know, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did like the way this creature ran at you. Like, I was not expecting. I knew something was coming as soon as it hit. I'm like, ha! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really liked how Barbarian unfolded was that a lot of it was a conversation about go in knowing nothing. And I wish mm. that people had that conversation more about movies because I find the best surprises when I don't know 100% Absolutely. what I'm getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Because American movies, a lot of times, there's a lot of hand holding. There's a lot of reminding the audience, like, remember this part. And, you know, that's why I end up going to a lot of foreign films because I don't understand the lore or whatever. Sure. And, and so, you don't know what's going to what's going to happen because you're yeah. terrified. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of American trailers will tell you almost the whole film to sort of like make you feel comfortable. Like, you know, the story. So go see yeah. it. Uh, but I hate that. I don't want to know the whole movie. Don't know. Uh, everything for me i, I want to yeah. go in as fresh as can be i mean yeah especially where this movie goes and kind of the surprises like it's constantly out of cutting certain things especially with justin long i love his performance in this it's so good yeah he was not the first one cast too i believe 
Oh, fascinating. Or the not the the first one I think they reached out to, but yeah. I don't think anyone else could have done it but him. Like and, no. and been as charming as he was, you know, exactly. Even, despite love... what's going on in his life. Exactly. Because I love the fact when you first it's Bill Skarsgård and you're already on edge. You're like, wait, it's Bill yeah, Skarsgård? That was he's like, perfect casting. And he's a producer on it. It's perfect casting. And then when you finally get to the third guy, you're just like, oh, this is yeah, Chef's Kiss. Just, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. cast it, across the board. Yeah, totally agree. It's weird that you mentioned that somebody else was cast in that because I have another visitor who just stepped into the studio. Oh, yay. Who is it? Oh, terrific. You want to say something? Golly. That's right. It's Jim Neighbors. Wow. I can't believe you were originally cast in Barbarian. Oh, my gosh. Do you have any movies you saw this year that you loved? Shazam. Oh, yeah. This year? You just caught up with it? Yeah. <laughs> He's a ghost. So, you know, it's difficult. Jim, if you want to be over there, that's fine. Yum, yum, yum. Sean, I told you. Enough of this. You can't be horny for Jim Neighbor's ghost. All right. Oh, that's oh boy. It's just serious business. Yeah. <clears throat> My number four. Are we to me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Bones and all. That was the one I took off my list. Oh, yes. Okay, great. Yeah. I have not seen it, but okay. uh, it was one I had queued up, but it didn't have time. Ooh, boy. Okay. Directed by Luca Guadagn. What? How do you say that? Guadagnino or something? I'm always yeah. butchering his name. This is the guy yeah. who did the Suspiria remake? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. So Marin, a young woman, learns to survive in the margins of society. Starring Taylor Russell, Timothy Chalamet, David Gordon Green, and one of my favorite performances of the year, Michael Stolberg. Stolberg. Holy smokes, this guy is great in everything. But in this, it's like... I did not think he had this in him. I really didn't. Like Hannibal Lecter level of subtlety, yet creepy, yet... It, it looks I mean, like he's come out of the, the Sawyer family from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's amazing. And then there's David Gordon Green sitting next to him. You're just like, what is happening? <laughs> Timothy Chalamet in this, it's like the role that Good Times did for Robert Pattinson for me. Oh, yeah. I was like, otherwise, I'm like, okay, good looking guy, whatever. And then mm. you see them in something where like you go, oh, you've got range. I'm sorry. I mean, you were good in Dune, but this is like a different thing. The type of subtleties and the movements and the choices, just fascinating. I love this world that it thrusts you into where... Mm. The idea of cannibalism, most people know that. It's not a spoiler. Uh, this film. Yeah, I did watch the trailer. And um, they're called Eaters. And mm. it's just really good. It's just a unbelievable. I kept thinking about certain performances, certain scenes, how it unfolded. My wife was like, this is a really good movie. She said that afterwards. So I didn't mm. pause it this time. Yeah, Bones <laughs> and All. <laughs> I didn't say stop talking. Bones and All my number four so there nice nice yeah i went and saw a screening for this with some friends and we all just kind of sat there at the end of it just not speaking to each other i don't think we quite like through all the movie i'm like am i enjoying this am i not am i just what what yeah taylor russell really impressed me i think she's amazing in this movie as as marin what surprised me about this movie is that it's got this very kind of young adult coming of age story and then this very grindhouse violence to it. There's a scene when with Mark Rylands bending over someone that is said in my brain and I cannot get it out. And Mark Rylands is definitely doing a thing. <laughs> also, <laughs> it, the sound work in this film is yeah. unforgettable. Yeah. Oh, my God. But all the actors who pop up, you're like, yeah, there would this be in this movie. This is totally it. And it's saying it's doing so much. It's talking, you know, it's because it's set in like mid-80s America, I think it is. Or is it like... Some I know it's it's very timeless. It doesn't really let you know, but you got a sneaking suspicion. But 
what it sort of says about poverty and people living in the fringes, how even their victims are just as poor as they are. It's a really fascinating movie. I had to sit on it for a while because I was just like, I don't know how I feel about it, but then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So yeah, it's a movie I'm definitely going to revisit. It reminds me a lot of the tone of Dr. Sleep in a way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm. it's like that world where these people could also be roaming in the same as, you know. Oh, like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's very in, in, in line with that. I love that. Ah, uh, feeding. Everyone's got to do it. Even vampires. But if you aren't a vampire or a baby or a baby vampire, then sometimes eating can become so repetitive and boring. Which is where Marshall's hot sauce comes in. Liven up any meal with those small batch sauces made from only the freshest ingredients. From the sweet, mild heat of smoked habanero barbecue to the addictive Serrano ginger lemongrass, or even my two personal favorites, habanero carrot curry and bird's eye basil. In fact, Marshall's Hot Sauce even has a new line of seasonings, including an incredible barbecue rub, a chicken marinade, and even a volcano sparkle that a vampire could eat. Ha <laughs> uh, The best part? is that you can enter VHS Podcast at checkout for 20% off. That's right. Liven up those meals and wake up those undead taste buds at marshallshotsauce.com. That's marshalls, H-A-U-T-E, sauce.com. And enter VHS Podcast for 20% off. And now, back to the show. Oh, geez. We're in the top three, ladies and gentlemen. Top three. Okay. My top three is a very, I guess, what you call mainstream movie. It's getting a lot of talked about. It's probably going to win a shit ton of Oscars, but <laughs> I loved the dialogue so much. And that is The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Higher. Ah! Whoa! <laughs> it's an old man movie. Of course it's higher. It is an old man. This is totally an old man movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. You bet. Mm-hmm. Rom lead at number three, so that takes mm. us to Ryan. Ryan, what's your number three? My number three was another amazing theatrical experience. A lot of the movies that I put in there are ones I saw in the theater, so take that for what it's worth. It was uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, written and directed by the Daniels, mm. starring Michelle Yeoh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kei Huth Kwan, and James Hong. You know, it's hard to know what else to say. A lot of people have said a lot about it. It's basically, to me, I would say just the most imaginative way of making a movie about the relationship between a mother and a daughter. And, you know, we have a daughter. And and so to me, it had a lot of resonance that I'm obviously not her mother and mm. their relationship is different than mine, but I was very like moved by it. I laughed a lot. I just think it was the full spectrum of wild imagination to tell a simple story. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, in this sort of marvel dominated world and i love marvel movies don't get me wrong but you know you have to find unique ways of trying to tell stories to get people's attention and i just thought this was just full of it i just thought it was so imaginative so funny so interesting uh great performances jamie lee curtis is just laying it all out there no she is michelle yo is amazing in this i forgot to write down the girl who plays her daughter but also really just I just loved it. I know some people maybe it doesn't always work for. I don't understand that, but I'm sorry for you because I just really dug this one a whole lot. That's no, this number three. Yeah, uh, I had a friend who said she had walkouts during this movie. I'm guessing it was the butt plug fight scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, mm-hmm. was it that? She goes, yes. I knew I was in the right theater because they all knew who James Hong was. So as soon as he came out, everyone just went, hey! And I was like, I'm in the right theater. This is good. I'm yeah. with my people. I saw it like in the middle of the Midwest 
too in a suburb with a mm. mostly packed theater which i was surprised and then i yeah. was like starting to watch it and going "Ooh, is everyone gonna be cool and the audience could not have been more in love with it like i was and so mm. it was awesome just another beautiful experience where i was in a city i didn't live in and so i didn't know mm. what was going to happen and they all just dug it. Yeah, they should get another one. I'll watch a movie and then I'm so him show it to my partner. And he did like it, but I really loved Hugh Quinn and Stephanie Sue. I think it's her name who plays the daughter. Mm. Those two, mm-hmm. I think their performances really got to me this time because Michelle Yeoh's character doesn't want to kind of admit the emotional complexity and what's wrong around her. She just want to keep doing her taxes and karaoke and doing all these other things to try and distract herself from it. Whereas the, the other two are just kind of the ones trying to deal with the kind of the fallout from that. And I thought there were some really beautiful performances in there. Yeah. Yeah. He gets to play like every character, you know, yeah. and then he hasn't been in a movie in no. a long time i know i think he did a little tv especially like a couple years before he did this movie but yeah like he kind of stepped away from everything you know mm. i think short round was going to pop up and be in one of my favorite movies of the year i didn't but no. um... <laughs> as soon as he pulled up that bum bag i was like holy yeah. shit <laughs> yeah i mean michelle yo jamie lee curtis yeah sure yeah. james hong mm. star yeah. of the vineyard yes <laughs> um, yeah i mean I, of course i'd expect great stuff he was so good I was blown away by everybody in this movie. I just think it's tremendous. This is the movie that I took off of my list because I was hoping one of you would talk about it. When I first made my list, this was my number four. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was hedging my bets that it would come up so that we would still get it on here. And so I'm so grateful that you placed mm. it this high because I wept in this movie. Yeah. I cheered. Yeah. It's yeah. a beautiful movie. And I get yeah. that people don't, sometimes like what these directors do because they also did Swiss Army Man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think what they do is so creative and so emotionally resonant at points that it's just fantastic. And they can entertain you and have like the the fight sequences and the creativity and the hot dog fingers. It's just like, it's such an incredible experience, I thought. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Hot totally dog agree. fingers are the best. More movies need hot dog fingers. <laughs> I, I agree. The scene with the rocks. I mean, yeah. how, who knew that was going to be so funny and yet so emotionally yeah, resonant and there's what, nothing yeah. going on, but it's so good. It's it, the movie just works. It just mm. worked for me so much. That was one I didn't even get to rewatch. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I know how mm. much that, I mean, I will rewatch it. I own it. I'm mm. going to watch it again. I'll watch it many times. Mm. It's, it's a great film. Yeah. Wonderful pick. And number three, my number three is Crimes of the Future. Okay. I can't believe I still haven't seen this movie. I was going on and so often how much I wanted to see this movie. Still haven't seen it yet. I am a terrible person. <laughs> it's Cronenberg. Directed by David Cronenberg, uh, humans adapt to a synthetic environment with new transformations and mutations with his partner Caprice Saltenser, which is uh, Vigo Mortensen. The celebrity performance artist publicly showcases the metamorphosis of his organs in avant-garde performances. Uh, also has Leah Sedow and Kristen Stewart. I was so excited for this movie because Mm -hmm. it was originally called Painkiller and it's a script from 1996, which is my favorite era of Cronenberg probably. I mean, Mm. because of the age I was, I love, we already went over this together. Mm. I love Dead Ringers, but um, (laughs) (laughs) even if it destroyed a relationship, you were like, I will keep my Dead Ringers. Yep, yep. I take the twin gynecologist every time. (laughs) This would have been right between Crash and Existence. I love this era of Cronenberg. Mm. 
It's based from a line from Dead Ringers in 1988. It's darkly funny. It's visually unforgettable. Once mm. you see the ear guy, you can't unsee ear guy. Mm. Yep. Um, I just found it so great. It just was my perfect Cronenberg this late. I never thought I'd get it. I thought that we were done. Yeah. And so he did it for me yet again. Watched it three, maybe four times this year. Wow. You know, not a lot of people want to spend that much time in Cronenberg land. But for me, it's like the only thing that would have made it better is if he had Peter Weller in there because Peter Weller is incredible as seen in the Cabinet of Curiosities this mm. year. Unbelievable actor. And he and Vigo going head to head would be like a dream. But Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Fantasy drafting movies. Did you guys see the RoboCop remake? No. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a while, but I have seen it. Yeah. So it's it's not a great film by no. any means, but there's a scene with Michael Keaton and Gary Oldman where I was like, this is worth watching the whole movie <laughs> to stand face to face and act like those two. Yeah. Holy smokes. But anyway, Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg is my pick for number three. I did see Crimes of the Future. I did not obviously put it on my list. Obviously, another director coming back and doing it. And what I will say is, well, Perhaps in a later rewatch, more will hit me. It, on an emotional level, I wasn't really connecting to it. It's like a, some of the Cronenberg you love is some of the Cronenberg that I have the hardest time with. Okay. Because it's hard for me to have an entry point to it. And this one is such an entirely different situation and world that it lives yeah. in. Mainly a world wherein everybody seems to love performance art. That's not a world I live in. So it's hard to get into that. But people don't go to the theater. Believe me, I've tried desperately to get people to come see stuff. I was going to say, <laughs> how different is performance art and improv, really? Yeah, no, it's so hard to get people to show yeah. up to things. I can't even tell you. But anyway, yeah, for Cronenberg to come back after all this time and put together that film, it is certainly visually very interesting. The performances are great and it's unnerving in ways that only Cronenberg can do. And he creates such a filled out world. Mm -hmm. I didn't get into it until midway through. There was a something that I felt a little bit like one of my favorite of his is, is scanners. I love the scanners movies and uh, I love his, of course, his original film. Mm. There's a semi element of that, that I was like, now whoop, I'm uh -huh. interested, <laughs> but it was kind of hard for me to get into it. But at the same time for him at his age to come out with something like this, which is as, provocative and as interesting as work he did 20 25 years ago uh, if not more so mm. i'm like oh man i hope we're gonna get more cronenberg and i'm glad it also isn't a remake of his short film crimes of the right. future yes <laughs> yeah. which which is i was like uh oh because <laughs> that one like i stretched uh, it out to 90 yeah. minutes <laughs> oh boy oh wait oh you do you're doing that for over two hours i don't know <laughs> i don't know about that one <laughs> um, i think uh, an hour was long enough yeah. The crimes of the future if you haven't seen that one it's it's uh interesting but a little dry a little dry yeah i also love kristen stewart's performance in this movie because at this era of well that old era of cronenberg he would take time with actors and things like the pacing of like jeremy irons and dead ringers etc mm. those kind of performances jermush does the same thing that like, you would sit in stuff and mm -hmm. and in this movie she is so opposite of that tempo that mm. it's almost jarring i think what mm. she's doing is great but it's just like i kept going like this feels weird i think it's completely yeah. intentional but it's such an interesting way to create friction in a scene yeah she's mm. a different energy mm -hmm. but like i didn't think she had like a ton to do in the movie but she definitely what she has she is bringing it 
Yeah. High, high commitment from her. I'm a big fan of hers, at least in terms of after Underwater, because I think she's just awesome in that. And I clearly she wants to do more than Twilight stuff. So. Oh, you need to see Personal Shopper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that. So go see oh. that. That is amazing. That was the good times for me where I was just like, oh, this person is making some really interesting choices with with the right material. They can do mm. really good work. And mm. so. Yeah. I'm excited. Which yeah, personal shopper was amazing when I realized how much an amazing hand actor she is. She's a personal shopper to this actress, so she's constantly on her phone and doing things with her hands. And it gets to a point becomes absolutely mesmerizing. You're just watching Kristen Stewart do stuff with her hands, and it's a great, great movie. Cool. Yeah, she clearly can do some very good stuff, and she is really good in the movie. I wish she had a little bit more going on, but mm. there's a lot of good performances in it for sure. And it's not Cronenberg light. I will say that. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> uh, all right, Lindsay, what is your number two? My number two is The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's kind of. I've been on a psychologist couch for the last forty years, and this is the movie I'm going to make because of it. I was surprised how much I did enjoy it because it feels very self-serving, but it doesn't feel that way. It literally feels like Steven Spielberg's been grappling with these things for a while. It's very my parents' divorce kind of thing, but it's also not the, and I love cinema Paradiso, but it's not that movie. It's not him falling in love with movies. It's literally why Steven Spielberg's probably a difficult man to live with because the way he controls something is putting a camera in front of it. Mm. So it's about this kid growing up, falling in love with movies, making movies. It's kind of like sentimentality on acid. It's very that. It's very, very blunt. I mean, Judd Hirsch turns up in the movie for 10 minutes like a freaking ghost, screams about how art's going to break you, but you need to do it, and then just goes away. I really loved the main kid, um, Gabriella Bell, his performance as young Stephen. I think he sort of captures this very awkward kind of thing. I mean, a lot of it is wish fulfillment. Like there's a scene with a bully toward the end and it doesn't feel real, but it feels like Stephen going, oh, I wish I had done that. I wish I had handled it this way and made him feel this way because I have done that with so many people who have probably come to me and go, why did you make me look like that? And it's like, I don't know, it was a good shot. I really love Paul Dano in this. Seth Rogen gives a really thoughtful performance, which he can do because I've seen him take the swaltz. But no, I fell head over heels and I've been on a Steven Spielberg binge ever since. So, Ryan? That was one that I was going to watch today, but I just did not have the time to do. But it's that was two and a half hour movies. Yeah, this is not a movie that respects your time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. A lot of the movies that are coming out are two and a half hours or more. Mm. So it is can be really tricky to try to find time to watch, mm. you know, these movies. But that was one I really wanted to watch because, you know, obviously I've seen just about everything Spielberg's ever mm. made. And so I wanted to see it, but I have heard great things. I just haven't, haven't been able to see it as of this recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch this. This is one I wasn't going to watch. I heard that David Lynch is in it. So I, now I have to watch it, but it's just not <laughs> something that I was like, I felt compelled to see. You might like the last scene. I think when he turns up, I think you'll like it. But before then, you're just going to be like, why am I watching this movie? Inarguably one of the greats. Mm. Filmmaking goes. But it's just the last, I can't even tell you how many movies, didn't, just didn't compel me to watch mm. them. Even though, like everybody, I'm like, this guy's amazing. I'm not one of those people that's like, mm -hmm. no, this mainstream guy. I'm like, this guy is makes incredible films. Very compelling. Mm. But it's not Jaws. So, you know, it's just there's certain things that are going to speak to me. And his yeah. childhood 
with Paul Dano. It's just didn't call out to me. But, you know, you never know. Some evening I might get tired of watching Carter and I'll put it on. So (laughs) (laughs) all you need to do is just put in David Lynch Fablemans and maybe that scene will pop up and you'll just get to watch it and you're just going to go, ah, that's perfect. (laughs) He's one of the two Davids. If you put David Cronenberg or David Lynch in something, I'll watch it just because I want to see what they're going to (laughs) do. Ryan, you're number two. My number two is Confess Fletch. Oh, wow. Hey. I thought it was still coming. That's in the number two <laughs> spot. All right. Yeah. It's yeah. directed by Greg Matola, starring John Hamm. I've seen this maybe four or five times at this Whoa. point. Even after seeing it, I would put it on like before bed and just start watching it a little bit just because I wanted to watch something that I would maybe make me laugh and put a smile on my face. And then I would just shut it off and go to sleep. It's that quickly a comfort film. Mm. I'm a huge Fletch fan. I think Fletch, the seeing the original Fletch, which mm. I my mom took my brother and I to see in the movie theater when I was a kid, is what propelled me to want to pursue comedy. Some people might be surprised that I <laughs> pursued comedy, but just <laughs> <laughs> I did. And so that to me was like, I think it's the moment when Chevy Chase is asked to kill him and he shakes mm. his head and he looks down and then he goes, sure. And the audience in the theater just erupted with laughter. And I was like, this is the best feeling I've ever felt. I want this like a lot yeah, and, and always and forever. And then my brother and I, of course, both loved it. And we were like, there, there are books. And of course, then we would read all the books. I immediately read the original Fletch book by Gregory McDonald mm-hmm. and was like, this is almost the whole movie. Mm. This is practically what the movie was. (laughs) With some of Chevy Chase's stuff put aside. So I have seen the original Fletch so, so many times. I read all those books. There was another Fletch movie with Chevy Chase. It's still one I put on now and again that I'm like, (laughs) maybe this time. (laughs) Maybe it will be different. But it's not. It still is just, you know, not quite as good of a movie, Mm. of a Fletch movie. And of course, it's been almost made so many 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 times Mm. another fletch movie and this one was just perfect it is the book put on screen it doesn't do some of the stuff that chevy chase does but it does not like with wearing disguises and doing all that stuff but that's not what he did in the book Mm. i think john ham is perfect as fletch i think the other cast members in this are terrific my wife and i are constantly always saying flesh (laughs) <laughs> oh my god Masha Gay Harden <laughs> yeah she is so good in this movie it makes me laugh still to think about it I I just think I'm just so completely charmed by it I am so mad that the movie got such a poor uh, release and mm. that almost nobody even knew it was going on Kyle MacLachlan is awesome in so it good. John Slattery coming in and connecting this to the other Fletch movies in a way was also awesome Roy Wood Jr. is just amazing in it as well as the girl who plays Grizz his partner uh, as trainee oh yeah you know I started rereading the book as well because I of course have still have the books Mm. and so this was just like yeah I've watched this so many times this has to be very very high up for me because I just absolutely loved it this is like the kind of movie I want to see I'd love to see Many, many of these uh, Fletch movies, I don't think we're going to get them, unfortunately, because no. I just don't know how well it did. But that's a shame because we should have. And Annie Mumolo should at least get some kind of award for playing 
just this amazing real I turned to my wife and I I won't mention the name but I was like that is like a friend of ours yeah like just that <laughs> sort of like you know blase kind of yeah, yeah blase always high just thinking of many many things at once mm. not always aware of her environment just very fine that a dog's just pees when it's hungry <laughs> it just so much of her and her I just thought she like practically stole the movie in two scenes it's just it just everybody keeps coming in and you're just like oh that's so good oh that's so perfect and tonally it just knocked it out of the park in terms of being like the books really love confess fletch i hope more people will see it obviously it's not as dramatic or as dark or it's just like a enjoyable film and i always try to track comedies because i obviously love comedy as i was saying before and there's just not a lot of comedies being made anymore it used to be something that was constantly being made and now it is the occasional ones and if you don't somehow hit the zeitgeist and knock it out of the park we move on to all the other stuff and so it pains me that this one didn't do that because it so deserves it it's just delightful yeah everyone is on fire john ham is great as fletch he gets to be charming and smart and a doofus at the same time i really loved lorenza Izzo in it she's amazing amasha mm-hmm. gay harden flesh is i have just... no idea what country she's from and i don't care um... <laughs> yeah it's maybe italy but it's italy-ish <laughs> she, she's italy-ish but then she references portugal and i'm like going right. oh, i, I yeah. don't know where you yeah but she's amazing. Everyone is amazing. I love the plot. I love all the performances. It's so funny. I mean, when uh, John Slattery comes up and just says, I was just thankful you had your fucking shoes on. I was just like, yes, this <laughs> yes. is what I want. Such a payoff of like a very subtly introduced yes. runner. <laughs> lovely. Just lovely. All of Amy Mello's stuff is absolutely incredible. And just in the apartment and she's just not aware of anything. And <sighs> just ham's face of when he's just like i need to get out of here now it's so good i heard some good things about it and i do like greg mulatto a lot i'm always very surprised like the pathos he has in his movies as well but it is just so delightful i kept forgetting who was who and when one guy starts yelling in and screaming a name i'm like who was that again what but that's kind of the charm of the movie because it's a noir essentially as well as a comedy but it works so well and everything is just so whip smart. It doesn't try and overstate anything it's doing. I love this movie so much. Yeah, me too. I haven't seen it. I haven't even <laughs> heard anybody say anything positive about it. So I'm so yeah. glad that you did because I would never have watched it. And I, I'm actually going to watch this tonight. That's the movie that I'm going to put on. So Yes. Awesome. Yeah, oh, awesome. I just want to mention Lucy's punch because me and my partner have just been going, it bespeaks to us. <laughs> yeah, he does... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to say the line, but the line that her boyfriend or her husband's rather says later about that moment yeah. is, still makes me laugh. Yeah, the fact they brought that joke back is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is great. I hope you enjoy it. I found it very charming. And it is, again, a lot like the book because it is mm. like the Gregory McDonald book that it's based on and titled after. Really enjoyed it. I'm glad you did too, Lindsay, as well. And I hope you love it, Dirk, because yes. jump on this Confess Fletch train that I'm trying desperately to get everyone to watch this movie. <laughs> I will, 100%. Awesome. That brings us to my number two, which is Remember. All right. Directed by, <laughs> directed by Il Hung Lee. It's a South Korean revenge action movie with deep emotional depth. The story is of Hil Ju, an Alzheimer's mm. patient in his 80s, who's lost all of his family during the Japanese colonial era. And he devotes his lifelong revenge before his memories disappear. And he brings along this 20-year-old guy, kind of drives him around. So mm. 
our main character, he works in a TGI Fridays. And there's something about Alzheimer's and age. And Ryan, you you probably know uh, movies with old men in it. Um, okay. I you're like, you're old. You probably yeah. have Alzheimer's. Yeah. <laughs> it's just instantly I'm connected to the character. And I feel bad that they're having the mental issues that they're having. And then this movie has such beautiful ways of sort of bringing him back, um, triggering memories or things that clue him into where he's at at certain points. So you're watching this man who essentially his wife passes away. His children have their own families. And he's like, I can now do this revenge that I've waited 60 years to do. So he goes and murders people and he forgets where he is and he doesn't know what's happening. It's a very interesting storytelling Mm. device. Um, The performances, I think, are just wonderful. And also, like, he's an 80-year-old man. He's not like nobody or something. He's not doing long-draft fight scenes. (laughs) You're watching two 80-year-old people fight with the 80-year-old bodies they have. (laughs) Right. Nice. Yeah. Not something we see a lot. It's just super engrossing. It deals with the history of when Japan occupied Korea. And I guess a lot of horrible stuff went down. I'm not a history buff, but (laughs) it doesn't seem like a laugh riot. And yeah, it's just, it's not a movie I heard anything about. And it's one of those experiences where I pushed play and I instantly was like, oh no, oh, this is, this is good. And then Mm. as I kept going, I just kept going, this is really good. And the level of when you have something emotional, like I cried, first of all. So I was like, OK, mm. you got me. It also made me smirk where I was like, OK, you got me there, too. Mm. And then the action parts and the movie just worked on me so well. I don't know if it's going to be for everybody. But for me, it was like one of the top two viewings where I just was like sitting there alone. It's midnight. The movie ended. And I was like, I kind of just want to hit play again. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's a real success. I've heard nobody talk about it. I've mentioned it to a couple of people who were like, sure, I'll watch it in that way that they're never going to watch. They're not going to watch it. <laughs> uh, I know that because that's 99% of me talking about it. <laughs> 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 Saying, oh, you'd really like this. And people going, mm-hmm, sure. I'll watch hey, I bought several oh, Blu-rays <laughs> from, based on things that you have said or recommended. So uh, yeah, Me too, yeah. Not, I don't mean and podcasts i mean in sure, my sure. life where i'm at farmer market I someone's like i like star wars and i'm like you should watch vesper and they're like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> again much like yeah you should come see my improv team oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I will uh probably do that maybe yeah you know and you're like you will never come you're not gonna, you're not gonna <laughs> that's come fine. You're but gonna out on this amazing movie it'll, that's, that's a crime of the future so Right. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, I love this movie. Again, it's called Remember. Not exactly a memorable title, mm-hmm. but hopefully people would look it up. Look it up for 2022 because there's one from like 2015 as well. So mm. yeah, I never heard of this. Me neither. This sounds awesome. I really Again, thought it was great. And it's one of those things too, where you're watching it and you love something and you're like, they can't make more of these because it's finite. His brain at some point is not going to be able to take him on it. Well, also he only has mm. Revenge mission. So once he once yeah. he does all that, I mean, what's he gonna? But yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. He could just mm. be like, "Wait, I remembered another one." <laughs> yes. Like, right. Right. But uh, but yeah, there's also like a memento aspect to it because he remember like, two more remembering. Yes. <laughs> like tattoos the names of the people that he's seeking revenge on the inside. Oh. Of the fingers. So like he'll be adjusting his watch and he'll see the tattoo and then be like, "Oh, 
right. Like, I don't know. It's so cool. I just really like this movie. That's why it's in my number two, because it can't beat my number one. And that's just the way things work. Lindsay, what's your number one top film? My number one. We're going back to South Korea. It is, of course, Decision to Leave. Oh. I adore this movie right from there's a shot, which is a very Park Chan-wook shot of a dead body. The guy has just fallen off a mountain and the dead body is looking back up and a fly just crosses his eye. And that is the POV. And I just sat there going, I am in a Park Chan-wook movie and I am happy. And then the rest of the movie proceeded to make me delirious with happiness. A lot of people have sort of said this isn't like Handmaiden or Old Boy, but I say to them, go watch Tangwe take a chapstick out of Park Yu-il's pocket and use it. There's a cop who's investigating a murder of a guy who's fallen off a cliff and he suspects his wife. And the way they eat sushi together and tidy it up is one of the most intimate things I've seen on screen. It is delightful. It is very long. Again, not a movie that respects your time, but I didn't even notice it. I was just happy watching these two. He doesn't, it's so intimate. It's so beautiful. Like he does this amazing thing. So when you have Paki Lee Il, I'm butchering that name, kind of just stake out watching Tang Wee. And then all of a sudden, Park Chan puts them in the same kind of room together. And he's just kind of watching her, which is very creepy, but it does have that kind of beautiful intimacy thing that I think he's really going for in this movie. And I absolutely love it. I did not see it. So <laughs> I didn't get to watch this one. I heard of it. Obviously, like the director very much. Mm-hmm. So I will be watching it, but I have not seen it mm-hmm. yet, unfortunately. I saw Carter instead. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, sorry. Okay. So, well, you know. And I put this at number eight and Carter at five, just to make yeah. it. Yeah, I noticed that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So Decision to Leave, he's one of those directors that, like, I'll watch everything they do. Mm. And like a Spielberg or something, you feel yourself in the palm of his hand when you watch Yes. I feel like it's so comforting. You don't feel like there's going to be missteps. There's always mm-hmm. interesting choices and things happening where you're like, okay, I didn't predict that that's where we were going. Mm. There's so much sweetness to parts of this movie that I didn't expect that made me feel like one car Y or something like it was yeah just, there's one shot of the hands in the car on the seat that I was mm. just like okay I know what you're alluding to like this is and then I mean the cinematography is incredible the editing in this thing is like beautiful yeah holy smokes I didn't expect to be blown away by it to the extent that I was but if this was a best made movie list like there's no way this wouldn't be in top threes because Mm -hmm. it is an exercise in precision in what it's doing it is but he still allows it to be messy like when he's switching from time he doesn't let you know that you're going forward in time or you're in this other kind of thing so there are moments we're like wait where am I but it's done with such precision and such beauty I mean you're right he's like Steven Spielberg in that way he knows how to get an audience in the palm of his hand and because uh, Steven Spielberg and Park Chan-wook are my one and two, um, or two and one. They are directors who know, I mean, I have loved everything I've seen him do. I think I still haven't seen Mr. Vengeance, but I've seen mm. everything else. Such a bummer. I know. I still haven't seen PSA as well, but I will. But I remember the first time I saw Stoker just sitting there confused until I realized what he was doing, which can be a lot of what sometimes with him, that he's just, he will give you images that you've never seen before. This is about a movie with two people who do not respect each other's personal space whatsoever. And yet it is one of the most romantic things you will see on screen. I was just raving about it. And I was with a few other people like, that was fine. It's like, it's not as good as other movies. I'm like, nope, it's a masterpiece. (laughs) And the ending. Yeah, the ending. It took me a few minutes. I was like, seen the going wait what just happened 
<laughs> went, holy uh, shit. Yeah, they stuck the landing on that one. It is pretty amazing. Yeah. Ryan, you're number one. My number one. Well, speaking of Rub a decision, your old uh, a dis- <laughs> speaking of a decision to leave, the Banshees of Inisherin, oh, directed by Martin McDonough, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. You know, movie about two middle-aged men. No, which it is, but it, this yeah, it is. <laughs> is a movie that I, when I watched Parasite last year or mm. year or two ago, mm. and you're just like, oh no, this is the best movie. Yeah, this is undeniable. Mm. I felt like that watching this movie. This just felt undeniable. It's one of the best scripts, I think, that has been written. It's just delightful. I loved how funny it was. It was heartbreaking. It had characters that you cared about. I laughed. I was heartbroken. You know, it it goes hard at the end. It mm. is just... And it makes you think a lot about Mm. your life and how you think you're perceived by others and how you perceive yourself those are the questions that the movie sort of is dealing with in this and i just thought this movie it's just undeniable to me i watched it and was like that's number one that's that is clearly the best it probably because like you said dirk if this had been a list of movies that for me were like the best made movies right. maybe i would have a different list but this was like so perfect on every level that i was just like just totally perfect execution as far as i'm concerned of the movies that i've seen so for me this was just undeniable to be number 1 lindsay yeah this movie is great i was expecting a spiritual sequel to in bruce and it's mm-hmm. not no it does feel way more mature than like everyone sort of grown up which they have because that mm-hmm. was 2006 i think but it is kind of, I, was, I heard people say, oh, yeah, that's what it was meant. It was meant to be like this metaphor for the Irish Civil War, but it's so much more than that. It is about time. It is about how you use your time. How is it better to be bored or is it better to try and do something with your life? I love the, all the performances. I Kerry Condon, who plays Colin Farrell's sister, almost steals the movie mm-hmm. out from. Oh, for and sure. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson are just doing killer performances, especially Colin Farrell. I've never, I didn't think he had this type of uncharismatic performance in him to this extent mm-hmm. just the way he says well you lightning yesterday and <laughs> just the fact that brendan gleason's rejection of him makes him question his very self and that's all he can think about it's like i thought i was this one person and now i'm finding out i may not be that person and i don't know what to do about that anymore it is incredible and barry keegan his last line kills me yeah i've seen this yeah. movie twice and his mm-hmm. last line destroys me yeah now, even worse the second time, because I knew that was his last line, but it's just yeah, on a script level. It is so well done. And the fact that uh, Martin McDonough, make sure you see all the statues of the crosses and, and Mary and the fact this weird hierarchy on, on the island and how it works with the priest, joking that Gleason might have affection for another male, but as soon as it's turned over, it's like, I'm a man of the cloth. And how things that are funny are so not, not funny toward the end. It's probably the best script of the year. Yeah. And I think on a human level, it made me think a lot about when I was in high school and I had one of my best friends who I'm still friends with today. And then Mm -hmm. another guy and the three of us were just together for years. We were in a band together. We were in the sketch group and our senior year, he just changed. Yeah. And we suddenly weren't friends Mm. and we just didn't talk anymore. That hit me because I Mm. don't know to this day what happened. Mm. I don't know. I never knew. I never found out. And I just think in general, if you don't have anything that's not even that dramatic, but 
friends do come and go. And so there is a lot of that that I just think on a human level, you can kind of understand. And then as you're saying, Lindsay, when you think about the town and the dynamics of even just a small town, Mm. how big they are and how that's all constructed and all those different flavors are of the story that they just add these other layers of complexity to everything, the sister and what she has Mm. to do to make her decision. Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, this is fantastic. So It's up for what every Golden Globe, I think, and I think at the end it's yeah. going to win. It's going to be up for every yeah. single Oscar. I mean, he's already got Oscar track because he also won it for Three Billboards, which is not as good as this, by the no, way. No, no, no. But this is just an honest movie about growing old, looking into the abyss, mm-hmm. not seeing what's there. Um, that's that's not, I'm not going to say what that is, but it is just literally about that. And yeah, it's just really good. <laughs> I was thinking about because over Christmas, I watched Wonder Boys again, which I hadn't seen in a long time. But mm. It's a movie that I totally love. And I'm like, I think the budget on that was like 45 or 50 million dollars yeah. <laughs> for like this movie about a middle aged literature professor just having a crisis. Yes. Like, and it made me like think, like, God, I just yearn for that story for us to make those kinds of stories. Well, we are. We just have to be making yeah. them in Ireland or we make yes. them in other countries because we can't do that in america because it's like who cares about that stuff but i still think that that's those are great stories those are still of interest that interested wonder boys fell in love with when and i was not a middle-aged man so yeah i just think there's something very human about this film i don't really care what awards i'm not a big Mm. award show guy but outside uh, clearly of the uh, worldies yes the most important (laughs) the most important (laughs) award show ever but yeah i do think if justice is done it should win a lot because it is that good of a film to me like parasite which is another film that i just think like you can't i i can't it's unimpeachable to me oh no the first time i watched parasite in the theater when it turned i just started giggling maniacally because i'm like oh Mm -hmm. my god we're in this movie now i love it (laughs) yeah and and i got to parasite late like everybody had Mm. always freaked out about it and i got a screener and Mm. and so i finally but everybody had already seen it and everybody had already talked about it and i was like all right well Mm. i guess we'll see what this is and yes. I put it in. I was like, oh, no, no. Okay, I get it. Totally agree. Agree with everybody. Agree with every great thing anybody said. They both also confused me because I heard about Parasite. And I was like, that sounds like a movie I'd watch. And then you watch it and you're like, well, this is, oh, okay. I thought it was like a mutant Parasite thing. <laughs> right. And then someone's like, did you see this Banshee movie? And I'm like, oh, sign me up. I love a Banshee. And then I watch it and I'm like, I'm sad. <laughs> to be fair, it does have a Banshee. Like the second time I watched it, I was really, I did not write her name down, which is annoying. Yeah. But the old woman in it, yes. she is, yes. she is the yeah. Banshee. And I love her. Mm-hmm. The scene when Colin Farrell is like walking down the road, it's near dark, he sees her. So he goes behind this fence and hides. And when he pops back up, she's just standing there looking at him. <laughs> it's just so great. It's like yeah. you can't escape her. <laughs> yeah, I loved the inclusion of her as well. Sort of this specter sort of hanging over the entire town and yeah. watching everything. And yeah. But also in the skies of like a busybody person in town. Is she that or is she something else? Is she? I loved all that. It just. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. She's the kind of specter that just in the small town that just keeps predicting your death <laughs> until she's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If Martin McDonough had actually got Susie Sue to record a song and put it in the soundtrack, mm. probably would have made it 100% perfect. Yes. So now it's like 99.9, but he was so close. He was so He's close. So, yeah. It's really tricky to get her to record a song these days. You know? It's funny you mentioned soundtracks because I worked in a record store when the Wonder Boys came out and the people that bought that soundtrack, 100% middle-aged men. Oh, 
Yeah, a thousand percent. Oh, I definitely was a middle-aged man in training at that time going like, this is a great film. <laughs> Mondo Boys was my favorite book for a number of years in my 20s. So I have, I am also. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was, I, not that I hadn't seen a bunch of good performances, but Michael Douglas, I was like, what an incredible performance from him. And mm. obviously I'd seen other good stuff he had done, but maybe I hadn't seen a few of his earlier films at that point. So I was unaware, like he was a little bit more like Wall Street to me and black rain of course and and, which i love like you know yeah Mm. right i was gonna say about to say romancing the stone but yes Mm. also jewel and Nile. (laughs) so i really liked him but he had like a place that i kind of put him as an actor and seeing that i was like oh god he's capable of so much Mm. more so Mm. this isn't about wonder boys it's not a discovery episode (laughs) (laughs) nor is it a discovery anyway i already knew that movie but still that's my number one we should do a non-discovery episode where we just talk about movies that we've seen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. That brings us to my number one. And this is another topic that we, we've had come up a couple times, which is just the viewing experience. And mm. this is a movie that I saw the key art for. And I just something in my head was like, I got to see that movie. And then I saw Arrow was putting it out. And I was like, okay. And then one night, my wife and I sat down and we watched Two Witches, directed by Peter Segaris. A witch passes on her sinister inheritance to her granddaughter, triggering a horrific curse that plagues her, basically. Probably my favorite performance by a lead actress this year by Rebecca Kennedy. Her transformation and arc is just a perfect mix of subtle choices, but she also has to go super big. Visually, it's fantastic with expert scare sequences expert scares i wrote this Mm. late lush visuals (laughs) the movie just blew me away and sarah Mm. it's one of those like not since the autopsy of jane doe oh okay um, yeah yeah was there a movie where she wouldn't let me turn the lamp off in the room that we're watching the movie sarah was like no i'm keeping the light on and that's how two witches was for us it just each roller coaster type sequence just worked for us. The payoffs of the visuals were great. It wasn't something where you're like, does that witch eat babies? No, that witch has a soup bowl with a baby skull in it. She's eating (laughs) babies right now in the scene. It was such a delight, such a surprise. I luckily had forgot I bought the Blu-ray, which showed up the next day. (laughs) I watched the movie again. It totally worked. It wasn't a one trick pony for me. And then I watched all the supplemental stuff. We had the luxury of speaking to Rebecca Kennedy in one of our episodes. I remember that, yes. I was going to say you've done this on your show, haven't you? Yeah. And off mic, she let us know that they are working on a second one. So I'm super excited about that. Hopefully I can say that in this episode. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes there's movies, like I said, we're not talking about the absolute best classic film of 2022. Mm. But personal experiences, it's just like, I can't. I mean, I instantly called back Autopsy of Jane Doe, because that's one that if it didn't have that digital fire at the end, that would be a 10 out of 10 movie for me. Mm. Sequences were so good. Brian Cox is so good. And so, you know, that movie is very easy for me to call back because when I watched it, I was like, this is so fun. And that's what Two Witches is for me. It was like a perfect surprise. Something of, I think, great quality that not a lot of people were talking about Mm. again probably completely forgettable release i think it should have played on theaters i know that it was made during the pandemic rebecca talked about shooting sequences and things without any cast members <laughs> or like as an actor being like is this too big right now and that mm. actor being like no it is but you have no one to feed off of just seems terrible. yeah 
me. So yeah, for for all of those reasons, I just thought there wasn't one movie that I saw this year that was as fun of a ride for me that paid off in all the ways that I wanted it to. And when I dug back into it, it was almost better. And so for me, mm. number one is Two Witches. I watched this because of your episode on it, and I was not expecting it to be as Jane Doe as it was. I, for some reason, thought it was going to be a bit more like a, a, I don't know. I think I had witching and bitching in my head when I was about to watching it. (laughs) And that is not that movie, but it's really, really solid. And it's got some really great atmosphere in it. And they do some really subtle stuff. It's just like, you know, something's behind the door. You know, you're going to see something peak, but because the head shows up way taller than you expect it to be, it's unnerving. And it's It's a 2022 thing, I think. It's like very tall, scary people this year. (laughs) We forget like how simple it is to manipulate expectations. It can be something simple like a milk crate the actor's standing on behind the door. And then as an audience, you can be like, oh, whoa, I don't like this. That's too tall. So yeah, it's just good stuff. Ryan, did you see it? I did not. And I feel bad because I remember you talking about this movie. And then, of course, you had the episode as well. And I basically earmarked it like next time Arrow has a sale, I'm going to pick it up. So I haven't done it yet, but I should also just seek it out and just watch it. Very familiar to when I was just talking about people not watching things I asked them to see. (laughs) (laughs) I got caught. No, this is one I know you loved it. And I'm like, okay, I definitely got to check this out. Mm. And this did kind of come out of nowhere, and I probably honestly wouldn't have heard of it without you yeah. talking about it. Me too, yeah. So I appreciate that. Once I do watch it, yeah, definitely plan on doing it. I mean that honestly. Yeah, and I mean it like, look, it's my number one, but it's for personal reasons. That's why I like these personal lists. So I don't sure. want to think like, oh, this is better than Decision to Leave or whatever. That's not how I form a list. <laughs> I don't put them together and be like, who would win in this match of power? <laughs> like, it's it's just strictly off my enjoyment. I don't expect everyone to... I own a lot of Godfrey Ho movies. That's not for everybody. It's just... uh... (laughs) Look, if Godfrey Ho had released a movie in 2022, now I'm about to find out that he did, Uh, it would have been number one, but he didn't. So it's not. Right, right. (laughs) And actually, after his last film, which was an animated film that is unwatchable, (laughs) I don't know if that would be a good thing or not in 2022. But there it is, people. Three of our top tens of 2022. I hope you enjoyed these recommendations. Now, can we each read our list from 10 to 1? Is that a possibility for everyone? Sure. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's start with Lindsay. So my number 10 was You Won't Be Alone. Number 9, Something in the Dirt. Number 8, Confess Fletch. Number 7, Fresh. Number 6, Flux Gourmet. Number 5, Barbarian. Number 4, Hatching. Number 3, The Banshees of Anna Sharon. Number 2, The Fablemans. And number 1, Decision to Leave. Yes, number 10 was Dark Glasses. Number nine was Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off. Number eight was Metal Lords. Number seven was Deadstream. Number six was The Contractor. Number five was Violent Night. Number four was Barbarian. Number three was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Number two was Confess Fletch. And number one was The Banshees of Anishirin. My number 10 is God's Crooked Lines. Number nine, The Hatching. Number eight, Decision to Leave. Number seven, After Blue. Number six, Vesper. Number five, Carter. Number four, Bones and All. Number three, Crimes of the Future. Number two, Remember. And number one, Two Witches. So there you go. That's a lot of awesome films and only a couple crossovers, which is pretty Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to see Decision to Leave and Banshee of the word I can't pronounce. And Nishirin. It's there. the name of the town, which is a fake town. Okay. 
Do we have like a second to just put almost on me the list? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Who wants to throw out some almosts? I'll throw one out because I almost mentioned it during this episode in a moment. I'm sure will be edited out. But in any case, <laughs> I almost put in Duel. Oh, I've been meaning to see that. Yeah, that's the one with Karen Gillan and Aaron Paul and directed by Riley Stearns. This was another movie that just really hit me. I love the tone of it. It's very sort of a muted, dry, comedic tone. And it, it, it kind of um, recalled to me almost a little bit like Hal Hartley's kind of tone, the way he mm-hmm. has his characters all sort of talk in a similar way. It almost took me a bit to get into it. it. took me a little while to realize, oh, no, every character sort of has this sort of style of talking. It's about Karen Gillan who finds out she's dying and... Oh, but in this world, you can get a clone of yourself to basically take over for you once you pass away. But then turns out she does not die. And then her clone decides that she also wants to live as well, which means that they have a year to prepare for a duel between her and her clone because only one can survive. And so she goes to Aaron Paul to train to be able to kill her clone. And it is just, I think, an incredible, funny and interesting movie about just appreciating your own life. (laughs) (laughs) Karen Gillan's great in it. I think, like I said, that tone might be off-putting to some people a little bit because it does take a little bit to get into it. I can't stop thinking about the movie. I just really dug it. And so I would just throw that out there as another movie to recommend to people to check out. And the other one that almost made my list was See How They Run. Oh, yes. That was so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, which I really, really dug. Definitely was thinking of it because of my time doing also theater as well. And this is definitely a big theater geek movie. It's a satire on Mm. Agatha Christie and on the actual real events that they are making fun of and sort of semi depicting in the film. It's based on the play Mousetrap. Yeah. Sasha Ronan, I think I'm saying her name right. uh, She is just an unbelievable delight in this movie and steals it out from underneath Sam Rockwell, which is hard to do. Uh, Yeah. Sam Rockwell is also doing a, a character you've never seen him do where he is very much internal and he's not particularly outward and... Mm. As charismatic and as funny as he usually is, he's still very funny, but definitely in a different way. Great cast. I thought it was really funny and a great satire. Again, interested in comedies because we just don't seem to get them. And I was like, what a great little movie. Just totally loved it. And I don't know who the actor is, but shout out whoever played the butler and see how they run toward the end. That performance almost stole the movie from out from everyone. And this has got a pretty spectacular cast. It really does. But the guy who played the butler was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It goes some fun places. It's really, really good. Adrian Brody, Mm. really good in it as well. A lot of really good performances. So anyway, those are just a couple of other ones to throw at you as well. Yeah, Lindsay, do you have anything? Yeah, I've got two more that probably would have made it in. One of the first one was George Miller's 3000 Years of Longing, which was the Genie movie. Yeah, it's it's not a perfect movie, but just the way it deals with storytelling, the fact that because it was made during the pandemic, so they were making it in Sydney and not Turkey is very obvious. But Tilda Swinton is a very lonely academic who happens upon a genie played by Idris Elba. And it's not the white lady owning a black man, which I was very thankful for because I was like, oh no, George, what have you done? It's definitely not that. But just the way it deals with storytelling and the tropes of storytelling and this beautiful lush movie that just there's a few things that George just does. I'm like, oh yes, this is why I'm a George Miller fan that are just pure works of imagination. And I really love the performances and where this movie went. I just thought it was an absolute delight. 
And the second movie I just want to mention is Sissy, directed by Hannah Barlow and Kane Scenes, the other influencer horror movie. Ashaya D plays a up-and-coming YouTuber of a mental health ad- advocate who goes to a hen's night. A bachelorette party. Here a bachelorette party, yeah. 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 We call it a hen's night, a bachelorette yes. party. Mm-hmm. And she comes into contact again with an old school friend and an old school bully, and then it goes off from there. But... Ashaya D gives an amazing performance as this very vulnerable but very psychotic woman. It's really funny. It just sort of sends up kind of influencer culture quite a bit. And just the way it plays with your sympathies. And then because one minute you're completely on Sissy's side, the next minute she's doing something and you're like, "Mm, no, Sissy, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really fun movie. Awesome. Dirk, do you have any? Oh, well, I wasn't prepared, but let me just mention a couple. (laughs) So my 10 spot usually is a place where I would put things that aren't like necessarily perfect, but were very entertaining and definitely underseen. And the first time I did the list, my number 10 was Texas Chainsaw. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Chris Tad is number two, by the way, I think. I think he had it really high up as well. <laughs> and uh, it slid off the list with other things. But Alienoid is a movie that I watched mm. uh, right before this, which I don't have any notes on it whatsoever because it didn't make the top 10. But it's I can't even really describe this thing. It's going to sound crazy. There's these crystals and there's like old school Shaolin temple stuff going on. There's a guy that has an umbrella that these cats jump out of that then turn into <laughs> to ninjas. And, uh, <laughs> and there's aliens and the aliens occupy bodies and the bodies of humans are actually jail cells for alien souls. Now it sounds like Scientology. Yep, it kind of does. Yeah. But it's this really crazy, big blockbustery film it's not in English, or I think, although I think there is a dub. It's just so bizarre. Like, just about the time you settle in that you're going to watch these two robots box in an elevator shaft, then it throws back to Shoguns and stuff. And mm. you're like, oh, okay, sure. And then it's the same characters in a different time. It's just something that, as I was watching, I was like, well, this is a 10 spot for sure, because I can, like, dig in, do some research, none of which I've done, because it's slid off the <laughs> list. Wounded Fawn was the other one that sat in the 10 spot mm. for a while because mm-hmm. of the end credit sequence alone. I was, that and I, Pearl have the best end yes. credit sequences of the year. I love the end credits of Pearl. I didn't get to see Wounded Fawn, unfortunately, but that was one I was trying to squeeze in, but I didn't get a chance to. Yeah, it's good indie, small, great performances. It's all on the screen. It's a one location type situation. Definitely got some Evil Dead vibes going on. Yeah, yeah. It's very fun. It's definitely worth people talking about more because I feel like even films like Wounded Fawn, they come out, people talk for a week, and then it's just buried amongst other stuff. And people mm-hmm. are like, what's next? On Twitter, what can I be enraged about coming out? Yes. <laughs> like- <laughs> well, it's not a nice movie, but in the, this movie is Josh Rubin in the lead. Just because the fact you're from his point of view only. So you are seeing these amazingly gorgeous, vibrant kind of things. And yeah. it's a lot of Greek mythology tied in with some evil dead it's got some really kind of cool things happening under the surface and i you don't have the end of the actor's name but the woman he takes out to the cabin is such a good performance i really did like this movie a lot i was sort of like okay yeah i sort of see what's going on and just the ending in the final credit is just like absolutely brilliant and just like pearl it keeps going (laughs) (laughs) it's really good i love this new move of people being like and we'll just let it roll it's very fun it's crazy that all three of our lists didn't have x or pearl anywhere on there Actually, X and Pearl were pretty close. If I was doing a top 20, they would definitely be on there. I still don't know which I like more out of each of them. So 
Pearl. I like Pearl a little bit more. And it really benefited from the first one. Yeah. I saw X in the theater, but I didn't get to see Pearl in the theater. I did show Erica X and she was like, that was the dumbest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised because I thought she would kind of like it. And I admit that it is kind of two movies X Mm. where it's like, it, the slasher part of it, which is not really a slasher per se, but it's it's got those kinds of vibes or the sort of Texas mm. Chainsaw part of it is really the second half. And then the first half is sort of about relationships and obviously, you know, filmmaking and the porn mm. industry and other things like that, which is all fine by me. But it felt like kind of a little discordant, a little two different stories. And I was into the second part. Yeah. Because old people killing people. So I'm like, okay, great. It's got old people in it. As we know from Pearl, Pearl has issues. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Pearl to me felt like more of a full narrative. Mm. It didn't feel like split into parts. It was an origin story. And I thought it handled some of the beats from X really well. But also very disturbing, kind of a tough one. But again, that to me is like, how often am I going to watch those a lot? So again, watchability and all those things kind of played a a factor for me in terms of the list. So I feel like I'll revisit them, but I'm not sure that I'm going to be like, hey, uh, I got some time tonight. Let's throw on X. That's probably the same as well. But no, I do love the first half only because of Brittany Snow's and Martin Henderson's performance. And it took a bit for Mia Goff to really come out. And that's in the second half. And of course... Pearl. And then, so when you're watching Pearl, it's just all the Mia Goth show and it's really, really good. I love how they tied in the 1918 pandemic yes, into it. I thought that yes. was really smart because they were filming in New Zealand during the very the height of the pandemic. Really like both those movies, but I see them as one movie now. Like, I don't know if I can mm-hmm. separate them. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. You know, I think the world of Ty West, I think, he, you know, yeah. I haven't always loved every single movie he's made, mm-hmm. but I'm always watching his movies going, man, he's got something. I'm really excited to watch where he's going. And like, yeah. this was, you know, to get these two movies out, I'm really excited for where he's going. And obviously he's got a third part of this to mm-hmm. go, but I'm excited for him to even go what he does after all this. Cause I just hope this is really going to bring him a lot of really good momentum. Cause I'm looking forward to Maxine going to LA. I am so looking forward to it. Yeah. And I actually do think Mia Goth, she also made quite a name for herself this year too. She's in the new Brandon Cronenberg movie coming up. Speaking of Cronenberg and I could not be more excited. I would say I watched a little like a featurette of X Yeah, and she uses her normal voice and talks. And I was like, I feel like the, the best character she plays is Mia Goth. Like <laughs> she yeah. is so seemingly uncomfortable in her own skin. You know, <laughs> it just felt like, oh, I'm feeling so uh, so tense for this awkward person trying to discuss uh, like a real thing that they were doing. <laughs> but when she plays these characters, it's like she's just obviously gets all into it. But yeah, you know. Pearl knows what Pearl is, which I kind of love. Like she yeah. just doesn't realize the rest of the world knows what she is, which is why I love that audition scene so much. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it's heartbreaking. As Ty West knows, you know, auditioning for stuff, you never know really why you don't get stuff, but it can be like anything. Yeah, uh, you're great, but we need a blonde. It can be something so arbitrary and dumb. Also great to have that happen because she says she doesn't like blondes and X. So it's like so much of those little things just tie together so well because of the unique situation of making one movie. While writing the next one and then just saying, when we're here, we can make continue to make movies. Let's just do a second one. It's such a cool move. Yeah, because I think he was in quarantine. Like, I don't know if he had the idea before he went into quarantine, but that's what Mm -hmm. Ty West did. He was just talking to Mia Goth on the phone and they were just working it out. And then if they didn't have to spend two weeks in a hotel room, then I don't know if we would have gotten Pearl. Yeah, they're they're definitely interesting films. I'm sure they would have been on other people's 
top 10 list for, yeah. <laughs> for sure yes you know maybe tony hawk <laughs> as a uh his documentary wouldn't have been on a lot of lists but um no i don't think flex gourmet is making it a lot of lists. neither fresh <laughs> which i'm sad about because fresh is awesome yeah also the unbearable weight of massive talent also yeah. was mm-hmm. a really fun movie erica and i watched that one and she still talks about it and reference the scene where they are on acid she just still references like she just thinks that was one of the funniest things ever so that's also i think a really fun movie which again i feel like some people have a poor view of that movie which surprises me because i thought it was so delightful i just don't like the third act i think the third act drops a little bit where they have to actually become an action movie and i'm just like no Mm -hmm. can we just Mm -hmm. get those two guys dropping acid and getting high for the rest of the movie i don't want them actually to have to finish the movie (laughs) yeah yeah that's true yeah you're having such a good time i get that Mm. i can understand that it didn't bother me as much but i i understand that Mm. it was a tad rush too because the secondary characters the cops or whatever oh yeah uh, yeah tiffany haddish and what's his name they definitely get short shrifts they get introduced and then they kind of all of a sudden you're in a room and he's dead yeah they're like what happened there there's some stuff that clearly something happened they had a much longer Mm. movie they had to kind of shorten it and get it done and so i Mm. I get that there could be a disconnect there but i just thought it was such a delightful film so Mm. i don't know that really worked for me we also got a new hellraiser this year and so since chainsaw massacre i just want to say that i hope that this what happened with both of these movies continues to happen where if they're going to keep doing these brands, these mm. franchises, just give it to someone, let them do something different. Let's stop this insanity of being like, it's got to be attached to this other thing. Like, I just want Rob Zombie's Hellraiser or whatever. Like, just put the director's name above the thing. It doesn't mm. have to be an origin story. It can just be whatever. And And I find that way more interesting. And with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I mean, I'm pretty sure none of that was folklore. They were just like... No, they're just making it up as they went yeah, along, yeah. situation, like, he's there and she, I don't know, was it ran an orphanage or something? I'm not quite sure. And it's just like, roll the kids in there, they're going to get killed. That's the whole thing. And it's just, uh, it's very entertaining for me. And I feel bad for people that take it all so seriously and get so angry on the Twitters because it's... Exactly. I mean, someone had had idea to put Leatherface in a party bus. And I'm like, yes, I would like to see that. And they did. No, I mean, I like, <laughs> there was a universal monster feel to that new Chainsaw movie, yeah. mainly because it looked like they were actually filming it on the set of the old Universal. <laughs> yeah, did did feel like a lot. Yeah. You know, I really enjoyed it. People saying it's the worst movie ever. I'm like, oh, come on. That is not the worst movie ever, please. You haven't seen Me Time. <laughs> I haven't. But that you were also saying the same thing about Halloween Ends, right, Dirk? I'm sorry, we're breaking up. I can't quite. (laughs) Yeah, I like the fact that these horror movies, even if you didn't like Halloween Ends, took a swing. Same with the new Hellraiser. I like the fact that they weren't making a movie just to keep the rights anymore. And as much as I love those movies, I will watch a very low-grade Hellraiser movie anytime. But the fact that they got David Bruckner in, and I love the new pinhead, Jamie Clayton. Uh, I think it's Jamie Clayton. I think it was just a really good idea of using addiction and this mess of a human being trying to figure out the whole. And they kind of streamlined some new rules to it and everything like that. I threw out the old rules for sure. And yeah. I definitely, yeah. having watched all the Hellraisers, I definitely started to go, wait a minute. And then I thought, I too. honestly, yeah. but honestly, what do I care? And oh, I, so yeah. I just, just as quickly as I was like, hold on. I go, wait, it doesn't. Who cares? Yeah. Don't it worry about it. Matter. It doesn't, it doesn't no. matter. No. 
the whole it thing doesn't... where it like pricks your finger and all that stuff i was like um actually that's not um and then i was like okay like, <laughs> yeah it yeah much. it's like okay and he yeah appears for other people who don't really want to open the box that's not what happened before but who cares yeah. who yeah. cares it doesn't matter they get money again like Lindsay was saying it pulls them out mm-hmm. of that dtv bottom of the barrel who gives yeah. a crap nobody's watching this and puts it out and more people see it and then i get super excited because hopefully that means we get more and I know I've watched all the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies this year. But you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. I ranked them on Film Feast. I'll watch new ones. That's all I'm saying. I won't rewatch some of those, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that other Leatherface one. Whew, I was like, oh, we, I feel sorry for you for doing that. Let's just purely for that movie. Yeah, I have not watched all the Texas Chainsaws, and it's never been a franchise I've held close to me. But I'm interested in what the director does next from Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. As a slasher goes, it certainly had fun stuff in it. Again, that was another movie where I was like, well, this is odd that it's connected to the first <laughs> one because it seems to be forgetting a lot of and then i was like but who cares toby hooper's not around so no. who cares kids are the worst and i'm glad they're all dying yep. and who cares that's the point and so yeah yeah i mean yeah some of them they tried to have these grand ideas and then they just never paid them off because leatherface was just like oh i do not have time for this and again it's a very short movie it's only like barely 90 minutes and yeah it's just a cool universal monster movie with leatherface and i was just like yeah that, i'm happy with that running time alone I could have really reconsidered it and put it in the 10th of 10 (laughs) on the fact that the running time was what it was. I didn't realize when that came out that it was going to be such a revelation. I didn't even love the bus sequence that people that hated the movie liked that sequence. For me, Mm -hmm. there was the part where he throws the sledgehammer at at the cop's leg and at concaves. It got me to like go, oh, like out loud, exclaim on the couch. Not many movies do that anymore. So just off that, and there was another sequence in there. Where it just got me and I was like, okay, well, I mean, after all of the things I've seen, if you can still get me, kudos to you, my friends. Mm. We discussed it and the scene that Eric and I can't stop talking about and still reference is the one where he just erupts from that puddle in the theater like a beautiful dolphin. That whole sequence. (laughs) I didn't realize Leatherface could do that. I didn't realize any 70-year-old man could do that. (laughs) I just, I didn't realize any 20-year-old man could do Mm. that. So it just really, (laughs) that still makes me laugh. The thing I like to think about is that that would take practice. So there had to have been days where he's like, I don't have time for it today, but I got to get it in. So I'm going to get, you know, you just got to keep working it. Got to keep working it. You never know what's going to be needed. (laughs) You never know when I'm going to need to bust through some drywall and pull out that chainsaw and get back to work. So I got to be prepared. (laughs) No, is there a scene when I think one of the girls is in the house and he's got the chainsaw going up between the floorboards? Yeah. 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 I I did like that scene a lot. I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, where can people find Schlock and Awe? And I guess since we didn't say it at the top, please tell people what Schlock and Awe is. Oh, yeah. Schlock and Awe podcast is my double feature podcast where I just like to put things in a blender and see what happens. You can find me on all the apps and uh, you can follow me on Schlock and Awe 1 and also Reading Geek on Twitter and Schlock and Awe 1 on Twitter and Instagram as well. Fantastic. Ryan, please tell us about New World Pictures podcast and where people can find you surprisingly our podcast talks about the movies that were released by new world pictures which the name does not imply but (laughs) (laughs) we've gone through three years so i guess we're on our fourth my lord we're going to be discussing a lot of disaster films this month as we do disastuary starting with up from the depths and we'll be talking about meteor and the bees and godzilla versus mechagodzilla 
So we got a fun month plan there and we've got some good interviews that will hopefully pan out. You can find us on Twitter at the New World Pod. You can also go and find anything related to us, including our shirts, at newworldpicturespodcast.com. Go there, find all the socials and see all the episodes and We'll hopefully also start having some new content, some articles or interviews that we'll post on the mm. website this year as well. So, and we're going to start a YouTube channel. So, excellent. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, as always, I'm Dirk Marshall still. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at VHUS underscore podcast. You can find our episodes, merchandise. Oh, yeah. We got shirts and stuff on Threadless now. You could join our Patreon if you wish to support us. There I'm starting to post things again. As my wife said, she used to like it when I used to do a food blog and write these long, humorous posts. And so I'm getting back into it. And Hmm. so I posted a couple up on there. Recently did one asking the important question, is Die Hard Bacon Socks? So (laughs) you can find all of that useful information right there on the Patreon. Also, by joining, you are entered into our monthly giveaways, which is not a sanctioned thing from Patreon, so please don't tell them. (laughs) We're doing awesome giveaways and prizes, just ways to physically give things to people. I really like that idea. I like sending mail. I like the idea of receiving a present just for supporting us. So if you're on there, thank you for doing that. Lindsay, thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me. Ryan, you're a national treasure. (laughs) same to you Dirk same to you Lindsay thank you for having me on my very first top 10 of any year yes love doing this this was a lot of fun I clearly didn't watch enough movies (laughs) thank you both for taking the time to organize your thoughts for watching everything that you watched I hope we can do this again next year until Mm. then this has been VH Us